Oh, while Jake is finishing, Brian, I quoted you to one of my yesterday. Mm-hmm. All right. So it's a uh, w- without going to anything identifiable. It's a, a woman who's married and she's trying to get some, uh, uh, you know, just like uh, uh, the, the spark of intimacy back. OK. So she and her husband have been sort of experimenting with things in the bedroom. And she said that one of the things that they started doing together is watching porn. And she said, so we take turns at choosing what video we want to have on. And she said, it's, she said, he hates it whenever it's my turn to pick because I will, I will need an, uh, at least an hour and a half to find the right video. And I basically said, oh, so you're like looking at the Pornhub search results like it's the, like it's the wine menu. Like today I'm, I'm in the mood for this and what pairs for this and like looking at all the different options. I remember you said that on an episode once, <laughs> just like looking, looking at the Pornhub or, or like ex hamster things like, like the wine list. Like what, what am I in the mood for today? You know, what, what goes with this? And so, yeah. And she yeah, laughed. I- she totally got a kick out of it. I it's wish like, yes, that's like, exactly it. I wish there was like a porn. What is it? The sommelier? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the guy that like tells you like what the wine's about, gives you the history of the wine. I wish there was oh. like a porn sommelier that would come out and be like, <laughs> yes, this is the perfect porn for, for this because of that. For this. <laughs> right. <laughs> this has a seductive start with a very throaty finish. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I? You know what I found out? Actually, I'm gonna make this to the intro, the intro to the episode. If that's okay, you, Philip. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I found out um, that in porn, that you know, like those fucking like crazy like cum shots at the end of the video. It always gets you to the end of the video, and you got the girl, and she's looking up, and all the fucking crazy cum shots and all that shit. And I'm just looking at that, and like, oh my god. I don't have that much in me. Where is this all coming from? Mm-hmm. It's all fucking. I found out that they use pina colada mix for the extra cum for the extra kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pina colada mix. That makes perfect sense. Isn't that wild? Yeah. Movies are such bullshit. Oh I've always thought that yeah. too. I'm like, how are like they coming this much? And get cummed in the face. <laughs> episode 448 there's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat but it's all been done before we don't want to be a copycat we're the leftovers picking up the scraps dropped by the cool kids it's a trap Hi, it's Nick Swartzen, and welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers. <gasps> Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the leftovers. leftovers. Look at you. That's fake enthusiasm <laughs> if I ever fucking heard it.
Listen, we just did a two-hour episode about DC, so I, I had to really drum it up there. Uh, yeah, yeah. You'd think that uh, you wouldn't have a lot to say. You had a fuck ton to say. It was Stephanie who was, like, trying to fucking – Gee, it was hard to get anything out of her. And well, then, I was there in spirit. You were there in spirit. I <laughs> <laughs> is the spirit a DC character? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. Jake, what's going on? Uh, welcome, Stephanie. Hi. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm bring. I'm going to do this every time. What are you going to do every time? The rock and rock roll. Rock and roll. Oh, the rock yeah. and roll. Now, so you're not putting that shit to bed yet. No. <laughs> 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 Seventies here to rock and roll, Jake. What the fuck? What's going on with your uh, fellow Swifties suing? suing listen, a- I am not a Swiftie. You are a Swiftie. We- listen, I will show you my Spotify Wrapped. The Swifties would crucify me if they saw Taylor Swift not on my top five. Yeah, would, yeah it's, it's, no, okay. no self-respecting Swiftie would not have Taylor Swift in their top five. Uh, you're more of it. You're more. You're okay. What's going on with uh, the Swifties, Jake? Since you're not a Swifty, tell me what's going on with the Swifties. I mean, the Swifties are upset because they can't get tickets to her concert. Yeah. Ticketmaster fucking sucks. You know, Eddie Vedder tried to tell us about this shit 20 plus years ago. No one listened. And and now here we are. No one can get fucking tickets. I know you're part of the you're, you're part. Of, are you part of the uh, Taylor Swift fan club there, Jake? Uh, no, I'm not a Swifty. <laughs> okay i'm i'm asking i didn't say i didn't ask if you were a swifty or not a swifty i just asked if you're a member of the fan club uh i'm not a pain member but i i do i am a fan of taylor swift i do like her music i thought the new album was very good okay what did eddie vetter try to warn us about 20 years ago with Ticketmaster? Uh, he pulled pearl jam from Ticketmaster a long time ago spoke out about them in, in his concerts um He's been very vocal about how evil he thinks Ticketmaster is and the monopoly and the problems that will ensue because of it. I think there's these I think it, I think what happens, Stephanie, and I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think there's back end deals with the management of a lot of these acts that Ticketmaster, you know, has on their site. There's back end deals with management where management gets a bunch of the tickets themselves before they go on sale and then when they go on sale like they're immediately sold out and then management is making up a lot of like their money by selling them on you know StubHub or whatever the fuck yeah exactly the scalpers themselves are are in bed with Ticketmaster and um, I mean Eddie Vedder was also upset about all the fees that Ticketmaster charges for tickets it's crazy that none of the bands themselves see a penny of yeah, I saw. I want to say I read something where somebody said they saw Taylor Swift tickets on sale for something crazy, like ten, fifteen thousand dollars. Oh yeah, for sure, it's a hot commodity. Yeah, Jesus Christ, that's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. People, it's but- unfortunate for fans of her and fans of whatever you know act you're trying to see. Yeah, sometimes you know you save up and it's your only opportunity to see this performer if they come back to your city or whatever, and like. To have it just be such a debacle is really, as somebody who's been to quite a few concerts, it's a bit of a, it, it sucks to not be able to go. I've seen her oh, in yeah. person. I've seen her in person. I didn't even want to. Oh, I, really? What era really? was that? I was dragged out to see her and I didn't even, it was my ex-wife seeing Rascal Flats 
And I fuck. I used to call them rancid farts. I I couldn't stand them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan. And and she opened for them when they came to the Civic Center, and so I had to see her. And uh, yeah, so oh, gotcha. She's an opening act. Jesus Christ. Yeah, it was a long time ago. She came out there and she sang, and she I think she banged on some drums too. <laughs> I always feel bad for all opening acts. Like, no one gives a shit for the most part. Ah, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I didn't care. I didn't care about I didn't care, care about her or the headliner that night. They could both fuck off. Yeah, I mean, you were being the, the good husband there. I mean, that's, you know, that's honorable. Yeah, that and I had to put up with all, all the fucking, the first, like, two or three Twilight movies because of her. I oh, to, I had to put up with all the, twi- I still have not watched the final Twilight movie. Really? Yeah, I, I saw all of them with my ex, and then we broke up like about six months before Breaking Dawn Part Two came out. Spoiler this, alert: this, they're all garbage. Yeah, to this, to this, I remember all my male friends were like, "Yeah, we know you hated the Twilight movies, but oh man, Eclipse is finally the good one." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, okay, still crap." <laughs> they're Jesus. not great, but they're- get out of here, Stephanie. I, they're not you need to out. rock and roll on out of here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go play some vampire baseball, Stephanie. <laughs> I was I was thoroughly entertained. I I mean, they're not like super rewatchable, but I think they're like I thought they were really entertaining. <laughs> and we met, we we may never have had Robert Pattinson as Batman had this, those movies never taken place. So I could make an argument that those movies were necessary. Yeah, all right. I'd argue that, that that hurt his chances to become Batman. I think, yeah, I think like that. Uh, I think he's but tried he to not, put that behind him. I would agree, except he may not be the star he was to be in the running for Batman. I won't argue that. I, I, I think in order for him to get where he was now, he had to fucking put his name out there. And unfortunately, it had to be with the Twilight movies. Oh, wow. Did you disagree with something I said? This is a good day. What do you act like? I always disagree with <laughs> wow. you. I didn't mean Stephanie's very sound. anti-Brian. She is. No, no. <laughs> I didn't mean that to sound as snarky as it sounded. My bad. I'm so sorry. Ah, uh, no, it was it was full snark. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you see the new uh, the new holiday season of Spam came out, limited edition. No, what flavor is that? Spam figgy pudding flavor. <sighs> I don't even think I've ever eaten spam in my entire life. Oh, I have. Now, I, I, have you ever eat, have you ever eaten figgy pudding? Uh, no, I have not ever had figgy put pudding. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh. What they should have came out with a spam figgy pudding. It's like a Marvel based. Okay, <laughs> dumb dumb joke. <laughs> I was laughing. It's bad. You know what's actually not bad? What? Spam sushi. Ooh, what? Spam sushi is not bad. I went to a, like a Hawaiian food truck. This is probably like five years ago now. Yeah. And because spam's really big in Hawaii, and they were serving it was like it was a piece of spam wrapped in like rice and then wrapped in the seaweed, and it's like spam. They had like some kind of sauce on it, maybe or something. But it was yeah. spam sushi. It's not an everyday thing, but it wasn't bad. It was edible. It's good. I've never, I've never, I've never even had, I don't think I've ever eaten Spam. If I did, I was. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty good too. I mean, it's all about just how you prepare it. It's, it's very much like tofu. Like it can be bad, but if you know how to prepare it well, it's pretty good. 
Yeah. I've never had tofu. Really? I stay away from weird stuff sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't seem natural. Isn't it? I was going to say, isn't tofu like fairly, it's a, isn't it's not organic. Isn't it like grown? Is tofu made or grown? It, yeah, it's plant-based, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. <laughs> we sound like the authorities, don't we? Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah, look for uh spam figgy pudding out there. It's uh figgy pudding limited edition. Flavor spice and everything nice they say on the on the cover there. The packaging is really nice. Yeah. It is nice packaging. It's got the little mistletoe. You're on fine, top. Stephanie. You interrupt me anytime you need to. Oh, okay. Thank you, Jake. You fucking interrupt me, you're gonna fucking hear about it, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm honored to be interrupted by Stephanie. Whatever it takes to get her voice out there. So sweet. Thank you for not steamrolling me. I appreciate it. (laughs) Listen to the DC episode. Apparently, an anti-Brian club. Apparently, I steamrolled over Stephanie in the DC episode. So, yeah. Anyway, let's see here. Let's uh, let's jump into good pop, bad pop this week. For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things of the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right. I, I went back out to the theater a couple times this week, but one of those times was uh, uh, Top Gun Maverick back in the IMAX this week. So oh, awesome. Yeah, I fucking said, you know what? It was Tuesday. I was like, you know what? I ain't doing fucking shit today. I'm going to go see Top Gun Maverick. And I went and saw Top Gun Maverick again in the IMAX. Fucking incredible. God damn it. How many times so has good. it been for you now? That's the fourth time in IMAX. I've only seen it in IMAX. I bought it on 4K. I haven't watched it at home yet, though. I just, you know, I'll wait. I'll wait. But, man, I wanted to see it in the theater again in IMAX. I've only seen it in IMAX. Every viewing I've ever had of this movie has been in IMAX, and it was still just as incredible. I got even more emotional in this fucking viewing than I did like in the previous ones. I was, and there were more people in this showing of Top Gun Maverick that were, than I had like in some opening night movies that I've seen. Like I, I, there's probably like 10 people in this Top Gun Maverick showing. It was like at a, it was at like 1240, Jake, on a Tuesday. That's bizarre. I mean, I guess people (laughs) knew it was now or never. I don't know. I couldn't believe how many people were there. I thought it was going to be like me and maybe like one other guy. And there was like 10 people there. And uh, it was fantastic. God, I love that fucking movie so much. Stephanie, have you seen it? I have seen it a couple times in theaters. Yeah, it's so goddamn good. It feels like t- – I thought it was good, obviously, because I saw it. I think I saw it three times. I. It feels like they're trying to squeeze every last dollar out of this movie that they can. Good for I them. A- oh, 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 Okay. Um, I, I guess I feel like it was good. I didn't think it, I thought it was good. It was, it, I, you know, I give it, you know, like a, I give it a high taste it, but it, it just feels like they 
like you're just trying to squeeze every penny out of it. I mean, it was just, it hasn't been that long since it left theaters because it was in theaters so long. So like, why bring it back right now? It just feels a little odd to me. Holiday season coming up. Great fucking movie. <laughs> why not? Yeah, it, re- it really helps in IMAX too. It's one of those movies that like, it, to really get the, the experience, you kind of have to see it in IMAX. There's a reason agree. Brian owns it and he hasn't watched it at home yet. It was a really, really, it was good. It was a good movie up until the last 10 minutes. It was great. I'm right there with you, Steph. It was a, it was a high taste it for me as well. Yeah, you guys are fucking out of your minds. The <coughs> best movie of the year. Be- Top Gun Maverick, hands down. Just saying it. Best. Ooh, Tupperware spoilers. Fuck it. I don't give a shit. Nobody listens to those <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, speaking of spoiler alert, did, did Stephanie, did you get to see spoiler alert in theaters this week or was it just me? I, no, I did. Okay. Jake, I'm guessing you didn't want to see this one or you, either you couldn't make time to see it or you saw what it was about and you're like, I'm not fucking watching that movie. No, I, I could not make time to see this movie this week. I, I just couldn't fit it in my schedule. Actually, Michelle is really excited to see it, too, as okay. well. Yeah, it's called Spoiler Alert. It dropped in theaters. Uh, it follows the final 11-month 11 11 period of Manhattan photographer Kit Cowan's life, from his diagnosis with terminal cancer to his death through the eyes of Michael Asiello, his partner of 14 years and later spouse. It's based on Michael Asiello's best-selling memoir, Spoiler Alert, The Hero Dies. The film is a heartwarming, funny, and life-affirming story of how Michael and Kit's relationship is transformed and deepened when one of them falls ill. It stars Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory and Ben Aldridge. Also, Sally Field plays uh, uh, Ben's uh, Kit's mother, and uh, Bill Irwin plays his father. Um, Stephanie, spoiler alert, what did you think about this? Yeah, tell us a little bit about the movie and what did you think about it? Okay, so I thought the movie um, was paced really well. It didn't take long for you to... I think it was was paced really well. I don't know what I was going to say right then. Um, I think it's great. It follows um, Jim Parsons' character as he kind of navigates his, his... apprehension in this relationship with this guy who he falls in love with. And then obviously his partner becomes sick. And then um, he slowly watches him deteriorate. Unfortunately, I liked the movie. I didn't love it. Um, I think what the movie did well, it does really well. I think the relationship between the two main characters is beautiful. I think it's filled with real world, like real relationship issues that need to be tackled and things that, you know, are kind of difficult to go through. What I didn't appreciate is I think the movie was trying to be a little, um, I think it was trying to have kind of like a theme that it didn't follow through with. And um, with, I'm not, without giving anything away, it kind of does these weird sitcom reenactments in his mind that don't really land for me. And then it just kind of feels like it's trying to do something a little kitschy but the movie said the subject matter is so serious that the kitschiness doesn't really fit um, because nothing else in the movie is, is kitschy. I don't, I didn't quite get what they were trying to do there. And that for me brought it down a couple of notches, but I thought it was great. Jim Parsons was great. Um, I would, if you're, if you haven't seen anybody listening, if you haven't seen this movie yet, I would um, don't be apprehensive. If you're really familiar with Jim Parsons as uh, Sheldon on the big bang theory, I think what he does really well is play a character that is awkward 
this is he's awkward in this movie, but in such a different way. It's super endearing, and you kind of fall in love with that character immediately. I think he did a great job, as well as the the actor that played um, his love interest. Um, and Sally Fields is great in everything she does. Um, so the movie, it was really good, really well done. If you haven't seen it, go see it. But I'd give it a high taste it. Lies, taste it. Okay, so it's a high taste it down to, it's a taste it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, he, 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 well, I, I think it, I think it does a really well, I think it does a great job with most of the, scenes where it takes a break from the main story and gives us these flashback scenes to him as a young boy through the lens of a sitcom because he does he works for TV guide and so he's been obsessed with television from as a kid and his dream was to work in entertainment in that capacity and so it gives us like these flashback scenes of him as a young boy and kind of like his home life through the lens of a, like a of a, like a 90s sitcom 80s 90s sitcom and you know you hear the laugh track when you probably shouldn't be hearing the laugh track and like these serious moments of him as a kid um i th- think it didn't work towards the end where there's like a really serious moment that's happening and they pull away from it and then bring us into like this interview process that he's going through as as the tv guide guy which i you know do you know what scene i'm talking about stephanie i do yeah that's the one time it really bothered me is when it went into that because i was like in th- this movie brought me to fucking tears. Oh yeah. It brought me to tears. Um like I'm in the I, I had this I had to sit in the back because I didn't want anybody to see me fucking crying. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was fucking crying, like full on like fucking tears coming out of my eyes crying from this movie. Um it, it, it hit me emotionally very hard. Like it's one of the, like those things where these you know these two guys they fall in love and yes they've had their problems but and this kind of like th- this kind of brings them together again but just watching like that one person that you like that you feel like is your soulmate dying before you and knowing that you're having your last moments with them and like you know just this illness is taking that away from you and it just oh my god it just fucking wrecked me this movie just fucking wrecked me. Um, I, I give it a Tupperware I, I, because it emotionally moved me. And uh, I just thought it was uh, an incredible love story, an incredible story of loss. And um, But I can see why the, those, those moments took you out of it, like the, the TV sitcom moments. But that's something that, you know, I also grew up watching a lot of television sitcoms. So... Um, I think it was basically just the main character's way of of telling his story through the lens of like a sitcom, because that's what that's what he was raised on. It was it, it's a I think it's a great movie. I, I don't know if it's like one of those movies that people are going to go rush out to see because it is you know like it, it's a it's a movie about loss and about death and it's it's really it hits really fucking hard but i think like the the performances were fantastic here i think the director michael showalter like this is like you know a guy who's known for comedy was able to really pull off some emotional fucking scenes in this movie 
Uh, Parsons is great. Ben Aldridge is great. Sally Field is great. Bill Irwin, who I've you know come to appreciate over the past couple of years, is really fantastic. So I, I loved it. I loved it. It's nothing that I would like rush out and watch again. But my God, if it's yeah, if you're at home, gra- like bring your fucking tissues to the theater if you see it, and definitely have some tissues near you when you watch it because you're gonna be bawling. I was fucking bawling. Like, I wasn't full-on fucking snot crying in the back of the theater, guys. Come on. But I was tearing up. Jesus, give me a fucking break. It's not, it's not like I had, like, full-on quivering lip and, you know, I didn't sound, I didn't sound like Big Bird sleeping. But I, but I was crying. Uh, go ahead, Stephanie. I felt like you had something to say. Yeah, I saw it last night, and my I was the only person. I've never been the only person in the theater. That's a lie. One time, when I one of my viewings of Endgame, I was the only person. But I was the only person in the theater, and so I I was probably like a bit audible until that scene that you were referencing, and that I stopped crying, and then I couldn't get back into the tears. But yeah. it was a it, it was definitely for sure bring tissues, um, bring tissues because there's going to be more than one time in the movie where you're going to be just your heart's just going to be just ringing. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Stephanie's catchphrase this episode is, that's a lie. <laughs> I thought she was going to be like, that's a lie. I was laughing the whole movie. <laughs> uh, a Janitor. This is a movie that's on, uh, they dropped it on Haya, the uh, martial arts streaming service. Uh, Fukumi is a high school janitor whose father was a gangster. No. Yeah. Was a gangster. Yeah, that's right. He works at the school as a janitor instead of belonging to the uh, the gang so he can watch out for you, the daughter of his deceased father's brother, Majima Yoshiki. One day a gang feud erupts. Yoshiki is killed and you becomes the next target. Uh, a janitor is a Japanese action crime thriller about a professional assassin who goes undercover at a school to protect the daughter of a Yakuza boss and fights off nine assassins to save her life. It's directed by Yugo Sakamoto. This is the guy who directed Baby Assassins. And um, I was excited to watch this because it had the two girls from Baby Assassins in it. And I didn't know if they were playing the same <clears throat> characters. Jake, they're not playing the same characters, but they're playing very similar characters. Mm, I was unsure about what the case was until you just said that. Yeah, because they, the, the, she, I think she calls the her friend like... Uh, Yuki or Ruki or something like that, and it's a diff- it's different characters, but they were very similar. So, um, weird weird choice. Yeah, yeah, you know how it is a weird choice. I think it was just one of those things where, you know, he liked working with them in Baby Assassins. So I'll have you come back and play something similar. But um, um, I'm. You know, I loved Baby Assassins. What I think worked about that movie is the two leads. I feel like the main lead here, the guy who plays the high school janitor, um, isn't as captivating as the the two girls in Baby Assassins. And I think that's kind of like where the movie kind of fell apart for me. Um, so I'm giving it a taste it overall. Uh, but I want to know what you thought, Jake. What did you think about this one? Yeah, I'm right there with you. It was just a general taste it. Um, I, I didn't think the the, the lead. I, I guess there's kind of two leads: the the janitor himself, and then the uh, the girl he's supposed to protect. I don't know. I just didn't find their story very captivating, or those two actors uh, incredibly 
charismatic at all during this movie. Uh, my favorite character in this movie was the uh, the guy who was super jittery and was trying to smoke, and him and his like thug guy I thought were the two most interesting characters, and they're pretty much out of the story within 25 minutes, so... I thought that was a bit unfortunate. Um, I was confused about the baby assassins characters. And I always feel like a movie's not working when I'm rooting for people that I'm not supposed to be rooting for. And I, I'm not going to lie. I was rooting for the baby assassins during their fight sequence. So <laughs> I feel like that's a bit of a narrative fail when I'm rooting for the villain to get the upper hand. Yeah, I was um, I was rooting for them, too. <laughs> <laughs> it was impossible not to. Um you know, some of the action sequences were pretty good, um, but there was a. I mean, the movie's not that long, but there there was a lot of pointless filler. Like there's a lot of the so much st- so much setup before you get to yeah. action. Yeah, and a lot of it really had no payoff. I thought like all the the bullying going on and like the social media posting in the first half an hour of the movie really had zero payoff by the last half an hour of the movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. There was some, there was some really dramatic parts involving you know family reveals and who killed who, and most of that honestly just either a fell flat for me or b was very obvious and predictable in the first place. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if you've got time to kill, it's not the worst thing you can watch, and and the action is pretty good in the final act. But I was really excited for this and ended up overall being kind of disappointed. Yeah, I'm yeah. I agree. Uh, Stephanie, you haven't seen Baby Assassins, correct? Correct. Yeah. What'd you think about a janitor? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I give it a taste. It's fine. I echo a lot of what Jake just said. And I also feel like the main, the, the, the action sequence at the end kind of centers around him protecting the daughter of this head mobster. But we didn't really get a whole lot of his loyalty to that task throughout the entire movie. The rest of the movie is about our other relationships and finding out information. So in the end, when he's protecting her, I guess that's what he's doing, but I didn't really get the sense throughout this, that that's where he really was passionate about his, like about his obligation. So it was kind of odd to me that they focused on that at the end when they should, they could have been focusing on that throughout the entirety of the first two thirds of the movie. Um, I like the fight sequence. I agree. I was like rooting for um, the assassins in the end. And I, 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 again, I just said, I agree with Jake, the super jittery guy who liked to kick his feet against the wall. He was, um, he was super entertaining to watch. Um, And there's parts of the movie. I found myself kind of confused and it may have been part of the translation because I was watching, I was watching it subbed. So that may have something to do with it. At, At points I was like, I wasn't really sure who was who. And I eventually got answered. I wish those answers would have been would have come a little bit earlier on in the film, but it was fine. I was a taste it. Um, interesting story, if nothing else. Yeah, as far as a follow up to Baby Assassins, Baby Assassins is so much better. So, what? Just watch Baby Assassins. Oh yeah, not even not even close. Not even close. Oh. Um, yes, yeah, Stephanie, it's one of my favorite movies of the year. Baby Assassins. So wow. I actually agree with that. It it's was one of the best movies of the year. So good. And I mean, that, uh, I mean, the martial arts in that movie, like that, that one girl is like a legit martial arts star, dude. She's fucking incredible. So let's talk about Wednesday. This dropped on Netflix a couple of weeks ago and I didn't add it to the list. And then everybody started talking about Wednesday. So I'm like, let's add it. I got to watch this. I'll add it to the list. And, um, 
Wednesday is expelled from her high school after dumping live piranhas into the school's pool while the boys' water polo team is practicing in retaliation for the team bullying her brother Pugsley. This leads her parents, Gomez and Morticia Adams, to enroll her in Nevermore Academy in Jericho, Vermont, a school for monstrous outcasts once attended by them. Uh, Wednesday's cold, emotionless personality and her defiant nature make it difficult for her to connect with her schoolmates and cause her to run afoul of the school's principal. However, she discovers she has psychic abilities that allow her to solve a local murder mystery. It's created by Alfred Goff and Miles Miller. Stars Jenna Ortega as the title character with Catherine Zeta-Jones, Luis Guzman, uh, Gwendolyn Christie, Fred Armazon, and Christina Ricci appearing in supporting roles. Uh, Four out of the eight episodes are directed by Tim Burton, who also serves as an executive producer. Um, so yeah, that's basically the setup. Um, it, it reminded me of like, you've got like the mystery of like, who is this monster who's going around? She gets to Nevermore and there's like, there's like this monster that's going around and killing people in the woods and shit. And so you've got like this murder mystery and she's trying to figure all this out. So it reminded me of like a little bit of like Enola Holmes in that aspect, but then you've got all the kids at Nevermore who are, you know, some of them are uh, like werewolves and then vampires and all these different types of monsters. And it, and it's like this whole society within this school and they have like different, you know, events where they compete against one, each one another. There was like this whole canoeing race and, you know, get the flag and then bring it back past the finish line. And it reminded me of like Harry Potter and in, in, in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, I think it's very good. And I think Jenna Ortega is really good as the character. I'm just not in love with this series as a lot of other people are. I'm going to give it a, I, I, the first episode was a low taste. It. The second episode was a high taste. It. Third episode was a taste. It. Um, I've started the fourth episode. I don't know if I'm going to continue on with this one, um, but I do see why people are loving this show. But it's nothing that I feel like I have to finish. I actually started the fourth episode, got about 20 minutes in, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to get back to uh, I was like, I'm going to get back to watching Severance because I hadn't fin- <laughs> I hadn't finished Severance with Adam Scott. So I was like, I'm like halfway through that series and I'm like, I'm going to get back and start watching more Severance. And that's what I did with my extra time. <laughs> so um, I like it. I'm going to taste it for it. Jake, what did you think about Wednesday? Yeah, I'm lockstep on this one with you as well. Um, I only watched the first two episodes. Of course, I've seen the viral dance scene 76 times on social media in the last two weeks as well. I haven't seen the episode that features that, but yeah, it's middle of the road. Taste it for me. Uh, I appreciate what they're trying to do here. I, I think the casting's very good. I think the look is very good. Um, I, I like the setting and the characters more than I like the plot. I, I always get frustrated at psychic vision plots. I think they're a little bit of a, a writing cop out to like create kind of false intrigue throughout the rest of the series. And that's very much what's going on here. Just with all these psychic like visions and images. I don't know. It's just not the most exciting plot line for me. And so I I don't know if I'm going to watch more of this or not. Obviously people 
love the shit out of this show. It's still the number one TV show on Netflix two weeks later. Um, I don't know. If I'm bored one night, I, I may watch a couple more episodes of this. But, yeah, I don't know. I It just... I didn't really find it all that funny. I almost found it more charming than funny. And it's definitely, it's definitely trying to be funny at, at many parts during the show. Um, and I don't know. I, I feel like Tim Burton is like, ugh, it just, he has the direction just doesn't have the imagination that he used to. He's just such a studio puppet these days. And I, there's just really no like imagination when it comes to the direction from a Tim Burton thing anymore. I was surprised to see, I saw after the fact that he directed this and was surprised. Like they could have just got anyone to direct these. It feels like I don't see what Burton really added to it. So in the middle of the road, taste it for me. It's not, it's not absolute crap, but it's not my thing. And I wish there was less psychic visions. If I had to take a bet, I bet Stephanie loved this fucking thing. I actually did not care for it. Really? I'm shocked. Okay. Talk I to know, me. I know. I <laughs> know. Talk to me. After I watched Wednesday, I was ready for Thursday. Do you get it? Oh, that God. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. I, I was ready to watch Dragnet with Joe Friday. <laughs> I was ready to listen to Rebecca Black's song Friday. <laughs> It just didn't do it for me. It, it felt a bit like it was trying too hard. I think I can see it skewing for a younger audience. I know there's plenty of people like in our age bracket that love it and that's fine. It's for somebody. It, that person's just not me. I think Jenny Ortega is, a, she's, a, she's fine as Wednesday. I think the whole thing to me is just fine. Nothing about it kind of jumps out at me. Um, some scenes feel like they're just trying like really hard either to be funny to be i don't to be whatever they're trying to be um i only got through two episodes and that was more than i needed and i'm never getting that time back it was just i i'm gonna give it a taste just because it's not necessarily terrible it's just not for me and it didn't really hold or grab me in any way um i think the casting's okay um i don't no, for some reason, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Louis Guzman, I think, as Gomez, um, although he's not, you know, he's like not a super prominent character, but it's kind of like a very distinct character in some ways. Um, I just, yeah, I feel terrible. I'm kind of shitting on it, but I just didn't care for it. I'm surprised you gave it a taste it. I know. I know. I say, you know what? That's a lie. Low taste it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just going to title this episode. That's a lie. <laughs> I'm interested to see um, Fred Armisen's play at Uncle Fester. I read that that was the casting, and I, mm. you know, I'd like to see how that plays out. Mm. I don't, I don't really care. I, I think I'm done. You know, like I watched what I did for this episode, and you know, three and a half episodes in, I think I'm out. I don't need to finish it or see anymore. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. I God, I know it's like a lot of people are loving this. I guess it just. I just was not blown away like everybody else. So I can see why people love these characters. I mean, the the two movies were giant successes. They were pretty beloved characters even before those movies came out. Yeah. You know, the iconic theme song and and whatnot. Uh, you know, I can see why this is a lot of people's bag. It's just not mine. I've only seen like I'll be honest with you. I've only seen the first Adams Family movie. 
I actually think the second one is better. Never seen it. I didn't care. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I saw the first one one time, and I couldn't tell you one thing about it. I saw it back when it came out in the 90s, and I couldn't tell you one thing about it now. Um, and then I never watched the second one, and I was more of a Monsters guy than I ever was Adam's Family anyway, so... Team Monster. I am Team Monsters. <laughs> I love the Monsters. Anyway, Killer Sally. This dropped on Netflix. My mom told me to watch this one. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> it's about uh, interviews with friends, family, and Sally McNeil herself. Uh, uh, chart a bodybuilding couple's rocky marriage and its shocking end in a Valentine's Day murder. So... Yeah, you've got this woman, Sally McNeil, who meets this guy, Ray, and uh, they're both bodybuilders, and uh, she supports his bodybuilding career, and uh, his uh, supplements, his steroid use, and uh, he sees more of a future with him than he does with her going forward in bodybuilding, and he starts to gain some traction, and then they end up... I don't, they end up, she's got a couple of kids from a previous marriage and, um, does, doesn't it start off with like the 911 call? It does. It's God, like the real 911 call of like this guy being shot by her and you can hear Ray in the background saying, I don't feel so good. And I was just like, oh my God, this is just, it's just so real. And she's brought into the police interrogation room. And there's like a shot of like of the real interrogation. Like you get to hear the police talk to her. And then there's a moment where they leave and then they let the kids come in and she's like, everything's going to be okay. You're going to go here for a little while and mommy will be back out and blah, blah, blah. And it's, it's at, at the beginning you're thinking like, because they lay it out like this guy was very abusive, abusive to the kids. They get interviews with the, the kids now that they're older and they're saying he was a monster and he would bring out the belt and he he would beat the mother and stuff like that. And I firmly believe like all this stuff happened. But then on the flip side, then it's like you start hearing about how she also had some problems where she was very abusive to him. And there were times where she would throw stuff at him. There wasn't there a time where it was like, he's trying to like leave, get in the car. And she ends up throwing like a weight out the window onto the car. Yes. And you start to hear more about her and her whole defense about shooting him was. She thought that he was going to come after her and choke her out and kill her. And so she took the gun and she shot him. And then you find out more things throughout this documentary that he was trying to actually just leave her because he was seeing somebody else. And so now is it is it the fact that it, it was it self-defense or was this a woman who is like a scorned lover and she's basically like, well, if I can't have you, no one else can. And so it's. Three it's three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm at a I'm at a I couldn't stop watching. I watched the whole fucking thing. And 
I don't know. I guess I'm at like a tasted overall on this one. I, I, I couldn't stop watching. I had to see where it went, but I'm at a tasted overall. It, it, it is a bizarre story. Um, yeah, Jake, go ahead. Tell us about Killer Salary. It's Killer Sally and what you thought. Yeah, I think I may have liked this a little bit more than you. I was at a high taste it for it. I watched all three episodes in one go. And and much like you, it was like I I just had to keep watching. Like it, there was only three episodes. The end of the first two episodes made me instantly want to watch the next episode. Um, I, I think what's keeping me from a Tupperware on this is I did think in order to get the cooperation of the real life Sally McNeil, they kind of sacrificed telling both sides. I mean, it's not completely one-sided, but it feels like it's 80% Sally's side, 20% Ray's side. And I would have liked it to have been a bit more like vague about the, what the filmmakers thought really happened. Um, It was very fascinating though. I, I was not very familiar with like, how the world of bodybuilders was, especially that long ago. And just, you know, especially like finding out about the first women's bodybuilding competition. I thought that was, it had nothing to do with the murder, but just like, I never thought about the idea that these judges would have no idea what they were even judging the first time they, they hold an event like this. Like it's something you kind of take for granted now because it's such a, you know, esteemed profession that that people do and and obviously in today's day and age the judges know what they're what they're fucking looking for um so it was really fascinating seeing like kind of the ground up of of that scene and how all that came to be but yeah i just wish it would have been a little bit less um pro sally and a little bit more down the middle I mean, they tried to get interviews with Ray's friends, and I think they tried to balance things out. And then also, like, the prosecuting attorney as well, so. Yeah, like I said, it's not completely one-sided. It's not – but it definitely – I feel like to get Sally's cooperation as much as they did, they definitely leaned towards her side very heavily. Yeah, I think – I don't know. What? Hey, Stephanie, what did you think? And then I'm going to ask you guys the question, like, what do you think really happened? So um, I didn't finish it, but obviously I know he dies. Um, but <laughs> I only did. I only didn't finish it because I had other things to watch. But I think it's really good. I give it what I've seen so far a high taste. It. I also think that I wonder. I feel I get the impression too that because of the amount of time it seems like they spent with her interviewing her and getting her to recount the story in her life with him, I also feel like they sacrificed some questions that I would like for them to have asked. I don't know if they asked them later, but, um, you know, I, I wonder if they sacrificed, maybe she just wasn't comfortable talking about some things. And I've even noticed a couple of instances where they ask her questions and she's like, I'm not going to answer that. Um, and they don't really push on it, which, you know, that's neither here nor I'm no journalist. Um, I also feel like there's quite a bit of filler. Like we're getting historical information about like the history of bodybuilding, which is interesting to me, but I didn't necessarily need them to spend 15 minutes on it. Um, wonder if this may could have been done with less episodes by providing less information about the history of wrestling and um, more about details about the relationship. I don't know if that continues on throughout the rest of this little short series, but I think it's really good. I'm going to give it a high taste and I'm going to finish it tonight. Yeah, it's definitely worth finishing. It, it, it gets wild. I mean, she starts to, in order to make money, she starts to uh, star in these women wrestling. Yes. 
Yeah, those are interesting. They're fascinating. Hold on, let me let me tell the listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I got half of it out, and you're already. No, she starts to star in these women wrestling fetish videos from this guy Bill Wick. He makes these videos of men. Just like, I guess, average men, like like just these aren't bodybuilders or anything like that, but they take these women in bodybuilding and these women, these these muscle bound women just dominate these regular men in these wrestling fetish videos. And that's how she starts to make money. And then she was also making money on the side by these guys getting in just like regular guys getting in contact with her. And wrestling them in hotels for money, she says, like, uh, it never led to sex. Like, there was no sex from it, but these guys just kind of wanted to be manhandled by, a like, you know, a woman like her. And that's how she would make extra money on the side for Ray's steroids and stuff like that. And, uh, Jake, what do you think, man? What do you think? At the end of the day, what do you think really happened? Do you think that... Ray was a threat to her in that moment, in that, in that moment, or do you think that she fucking killed him because she thought he was leaving? Hmm. I think one way or another, the moment after she did what she did, she regretted it. I, I think the fact that she calls 911 immediately and doesn't just like try to take off shows that like she had some kind of remorse or regret. And so I don't know. It, for me, I kind of lean towards that she, he was not trying to kill her right then and there. I think that he was not I th- I don't I don't think he was trying to kill her there. I think he was trying to tell her that I'm leaving and she wasn't having it and I don't think she had any remorse. I think she was calculated in it. I think she was like if I can't have you nobody else can. She shot him. That's why she shot him twice and they even go through the whole thing that she actually went to another room to fucking grab another fucking shotgun, um, the more shotgun ammo and came back and finished the job to his fucking face. Yeah. I mean, at that point, yes. And then, and then to her in the interrogation room when they left, she fucking fell asleep for a couple hours, man. Like there's no remorse. There's no remorse there. It's like, how can you fucking shoot a man and then fucking, and then sleep on it. It's almost yeah, like I wouldn't be able to sleep for a week. Yeah, man. It was, it was. Oh God. Yeah, it was fucked up. She just went to bed. She laid down, went to sleep. <sighs> I, I hate that. That's where my what my gut tells me. But my gut does tell me that that she definitely committed the crime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, killer rac- <laughs> killer <laughs> killer raccoons. Uh, next thing, killer raccoons two. Dark Christmas in the dark. Um, on Christmas Eve, passengers aboard a nighttime train to Washington face off against an angry gang of domestic terrorists and highly intelligent government trained raccoons. Um, I asked you guys to watch this movie. I do not, I I do not know what you guys thought of this one. (laughs) Stephanie, did you watch this? I did. I fell asleep a few times, but I watched it. <laughs> what in the hell was this movie? <laughs> I did watch. Yeah, uh, but answer your question. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a movie about. God damn! How do you even break this fucking thing down? There's like, <laughs> there's what is it, Jake? There's like, there's like a satellite in the sky that that shaped like a penis. 
that can shoot like a laser. I and and I can't even break this movie down. It is so bizarre. Yeah, it's basically like almost an homage to like all the 90s, early 2000 action movie sequels. They said it's it's based on Under Siege 2. Oh, I could see that. Um, Totally. Like, there's definitely elements of what was that? Dark Territory. Is that what Under Siege 2 is called? Something like that? I can't remember. I don't know. But I feel like that's where they get the whole like the train is in the dark and can't be communicated with anybody and. And all that kind of stuff comes from that. But yeah, and this one is, is correct. I feel like this is the one thing on our list this week that not a single listener of this podcast has watched before hearing us talk about it. <laughs> Possibly. I brought, I brought it up last week that we were going to talk about it. So who knows? Okay. I, I did not know that. So maybe, maybe that moves the needle a little bit. Yeah. But I, I feel like without that, this would be on no one's radar. Yeah. Yeah, they were playing this at the normal theater, Jake, the same theater that we go to see, like, uh, The Room um, the room, and when we went to see Psycho Gorman. So okay. I was like, okay. I'll tr- I'll, I didn't see it in the theater, but I was like, I'll, I'll check it out. I don't know. It's uh, – I don't know. I don't even know how to, I don't even know how to talk about this movie. <laughs> it's just so bizarre and, and stupid. Um, I'll, I will give it, I just, I'm just going to rate it and pass this. It's, it, it is, it is a taste it just because some parts were so ridiculous and made me laugh, but it is, it's nothing that I would watch again. I don't think it's like cult classic status or anything like that. So what do you think, Jay? Yeah. I think I liked it a little bit more than you. It, it's by no means a Tupperware. Um, I, I'd give it a high taste it though. Like I, I signed up knowing what I was getting. I, I didn't expect, you know, high cinema by any means whatsoever. Like you see the title of the movie and you kind of have to be prepared for stupid. Um, but yeah, it, it made me laugh. They, they own how incredibly dumb it is throughout the entire movie. And a lot of those things really cracked me up. Um, I think some of the funniest stuff to me was just basically the raccoons themselves. I, I found absolutely hilarious. I thought the voices were hilarious. I loved any time we saw, you know, we cut to the space station and the uh, raccoons were hitting buttons. You could clearly tell someone was like holding their legs and just pushing their heads against the buttons every time. Um, I also loved how the raccoons never looked at what they were shooting. Like their their heads were always completely turned away from whatever their target was during action sequences. That really cracked me up as well. Um, and I don't know. I thought I thought the characters were pretty fun. Like almost like homages to other action movie characters, and they did a they did a pretty good job with that stuff. Um, when was this movie filmed? Too, I was shocked to see a. Uh, cameo by ron jeremy who i believe is in prison right now yeah this i think it was shot and it was filmed in columbus ohio and it actually premiered in the summer of 2020 so it was probably filled and filmed in 2018 2019 okay um and I, i guess this movie is a sequel to another raccoon movie it sounds like that one was more of an homage to like a uh Friday the 13th or sleepaway camp type of movie where this one is more of a like 90s action movie sequel homage, but still featuring a lot of the same characters and, you know, the same antagonist raccoons. Um, 
Yeah. I, I, I thought this was as long as you know what you're signing up for, then you're going to have an OK time with this. It wasn't complete, you know, shit snakes. Yeah, the, the raccoons weren't even puppets. They were just like stuffed raccoons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they were just, and they would just shove them towards the things. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it was, they were just like stuffed raccoons. They didn't move. They just were, it's like they just like super glued guns on them and just would like move, <laughs> turn I them. I love that they acknowledged that their guns were like tiny miniature versions of guns too. I was very curious about like where they were getting their weapons from in the first place yeah I, the the one character that always slayed me was the what was it the guy who was who was gay but they sent him off to like conversion and he was like now he was a christian but he was always having the, oh yeah <laughs> i was like oh my god i can't believe they're doing this this is so weird <laughs> uh, Stephanie, what did you think of Killer Raccoons 2, Dark Christmas in the Dark? It was so absurd. It was just the most absurd thing. A lot of the, uh, quite a few of the characters had like, like wigs on, but the wigs weren't like on straight. Like it was just so weird. <laughs> it was just so weird. <laughs> yeah, and the raccoons being like not even like at first I'm like I thought they were hand puppets, and then the closer the more you see them, the more you're like no, and like the head just banging into the console with the button. It's just it is some of the dialogue is actually kind of funny. Yeah, I, yeah. So I actually chuckled. I couldn't believe I had laughed out loud a couple of times. Um. Yeah, it's probably it may be the most bizarre thing you see this year for anybody listening. It's just it's crazy. I'm going to give it. I don't even know. I know dude. it's weird. It's weird because I, I didn't yeah. hate it. And I thought like parts of it were funny. But then like it's nothing that I would rush back to. I, I think it would be a lot, a lot more fun to see in a full audience with other people. You know, I agree with that. I could see Tupper wearing this if I watched it for the first time in a full audience. In a full pack crowd where like people are laughing, I could see myself walking out of this one and being like, "Oh my god, that's insane! I loved it." But like watching it by myself at home, yeah, it was a very weird experience to watch a movie like this by myself. Yes, uh, I, there were so many scenes where things were shaking and people were obnoxiously pretending like they were shaking as well. Like this happens like nine times during this movie. But what, that was wild. What did you rate it, Stephanie? Uh, I'm I'm low taste. I'm going to give it a low taste. It low taste it. Okay, all right. But I agree. If I would have watched it in any other scenario, I'm, and like the reaction around with people around me may have changed my mood a bit. I'm not sure. I may have given it a higher score, but low taste it, and that's not a lie. Yeah. <laughs> I like the whole plot line where the the main character whose last name is Smallwood changed his name but still kept the small <laughs> his name small was book. his name was Ty Smallwood and he changes it to Casey Smallwood and yeah. then one of the villains keeps calling him you know Ty Smalldick or Ty Smallcock throughout the entire movie <laughs> Yeah I thought that was a really funny running thread um i like the whole like sidebar where he's going to be able to use this handrail really well because he jacked off so much while he was in prison yeah (laughs) this this movie was bizarre it was bizarre (laughs) oh man uh we go from that movie to talking about a serious movie 
emancipation. How can you go from? How can you? Oh my god! Can we take a? I need. Can we break for five minutes? <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, yes, we'll take a break for Jake. All right, we'll be right back. Hey, how are you? First, I want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy t-shirts on popcultureleftovers.com. Or you can buy a PCO mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck. You can even buy a PCL bath mat. Listen to this. Imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCL majestic logo. Hovering like a chopper. And just like a chopper, you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the thread this link or you can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt. Come on, do it now. Do it. Buy a shirt. I'm here. I'm right here. All right. Hey, we're back and we're talking about the new Emancipation movie on Apple TV Plus. The stars Will Smith, directed by Antoine Fuqua. Peter, a slave, flees a plantation of Lu- in Louisiana after he was whipped within an inch of his life. He has to outwit cold-blooded hunters and the unforgiving swamps of Louisiana on a torturous journey north. And, um, and it also stars Ben Foster. Um, yeah, so you, you've got Will Smith playing. He's Haitian-born, but lived most of his life in, uh, in a plantation in Louisiana. And then the Confederate Army sends him off to build railroads. And basically, it's like... He's got a family, you know, wife and kids, and he's forced to leave them to go build this uh, uh, railroad and put these tracks down. And um, from there, he uh, flees and goes through the swamps of Louisiana looking. He hears that Lincoln has freed the slaves and he wants to make his way to Baton Rouge to find Lincoln's troops that way he can be a free man and then free his family. And based on a true story, um, Jake, what did you think about emancipation? I liked it quite a lot. It was a high taste it for me. Um, I, I thought Will Smith was incredible. And I, I shockingly, like 15 minutes into this movie, kind of forgot it was Will Smith. I, I, and I thought Ben Foster was just an insidious villain that I, I just absolutely fucking hated and did such a great job as well. Um, I was familiar with the photo that inspired, you know, the memoir and, and the movie, but I never really knew the, the entire story. I mean, and I didn't really do any research into this movie. I don't know, you know, what liberties they took with the story, but yeah, yeah, I thought it was captivating. I thought it was gripping. I thought, um, Fuqua made some very bold choices with the coloring and the lighting of this movie that actually worked for me. And, um, yeah, I, I thought, I thought it was very well paced. Uh, I thought the last 30 minutes I was on on the edge of my seat because, you know, like I said, I really had no idea how this was going to, was going to end up. And, um, yeah, I really liked it. I, I saw Rotten Tomatoes. It's at a 49%. I was a little bit shocked by that. Uh, well, I think it has to do with 
more of Will Smith's antics. <laughs> the Will Smith of it all. I don't yeah. think people are rating it fairly because if you're rating it fairly, like Will Smith disappeared into the character. And if everything didn't happen the way that it happened earlier in the year, I think this would be up for he would be nominated again for another Oscar, to be honest with yeah, you. I'm, I'm reading blurbs for the first time now, and it, it's relentlessly grim, unnecessarily stylized, frequently monotonous film. And I see I thought the stylized part of this movie was what really, really made me enjoy it. And it's not, it doesn't completely lack color. Like at first I thought maybe the movie was in black and white, but there are like, you know, almost like Schindler's list. There's like the fire will be in color. Sometimes yeah. the, you can actually see the greens in the forest. Yeah. Um, like the swamp and the vegetation is green, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. And I thought, I thought it was a really interesting, bold cinematography choice that for me, really worked and looked really captivating on my TV. Um, yeah, I I thought this was going to be a very dour movie and not that it wasn't at a lot of parts, but yeah, I I thought it was very good. I, I was very invested in whether or not he was going to be reunited with his family by the end of the movie. I had no clue if he would or wouldn't. And um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this movie. I'm at a Tupperware. I thought it was fantastic. I thought Will, Smith, Will Smith's performance was amazing. Uh, he fucking like, as far as like the accent, I think he nailed it. I think he fucking got lost in this character. This is some of the best acting I've ever seen out of him. And, you know, um, yeah, I, I think if it wasn't for like the whole incident that happened with, you know, Chris Rock, people would be talking about another Oscar nomination for this, for Will Smith. I just think that it's unfortunate that that happened and that's not going to be in the discussion this year. Cause I think it was a great movie. I think Ben Foster was incredible. Um, many times, like, you know, the, the scene where they take the picture, you actually get to see that scene play out in this movie. And man, Jake, I'm telling you, man, when you fucking, when you see him take off the shirt and you see the scars, it's just like, if that doesn't bring a tear to your eye, Jesus Christ, it's just like, it, it, what I want to know if it's true or not is like the fucking fight with the alligator in the swamp. Oh yeah. That was a turn. I did not see coming. Yeah. When that alligator showed up. I was like, I did not see this moment coming at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think I lied. I, I think I will Tupperware this movie. I, I honestly can't, I don't really understand why I didn't Tupperware it. I, I really have no major complaints about it whatsoever. I mean, it was over two hours and it felt like it was 90 minutes. I yeah. was just so invested into the story and into what was happening. It was it was really never boring. Um, yeah, I really liked this movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. I thought, God damn it, what a great performance by Will Smith. I'm not going to lie. It's it's unfortunate that what, what happened earlier in the year happened. But I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, this – this is not a good, this is a fantastic fucking movie. And it's a, I think it's, it shows a piece, a, a, a piece of history, you know, that a lot of people want to forget. And it, but fuck, you know, like this is, it's, it, uh, sadly, this is a part of our history. And I think that Antoine Fuca really shed some light on like, you know, what happened here. And, um, I thought a lot about this movie after watching it as well. And, um, one thing I really thought of was just how much like the power of pictures and how we kind of take that for granted in today's day and age mm -hmm. when everyone has, you know, an iPhone or an Android device and can snap pictures all over the place and post them all over the place that, you know, that picture really inspired 
a lot of people to realize the wrongdoings that were happening in the world. Like yeah. it, it took seeing that kind of thing. And it's just, it's just such a different world now where, you know, information travels at such fast speeds that people were just either ignoring what was going on or were just completely ignorant to the, to the suffering that was happening. And just the power of the media and the picture was just so much back then. And just, Oh, the, the one part that there's one part where, um, you know, he, he is, he is, uh, Will Smith's character has, has gotten away from, you know, the Confederate army and, uh, and, and, and building that railroad and he's running through the swamps and he makes his way, he's got a cut on his leg and he makes his way into the backyard of a, of a, of a family and he steals a piece of clothing off a, off a clothesline and wraps it around his bleeding leg and he's got dogs, like I never like seeing a dog die in a movie until this movie, Jake. Is that <laughs> yeah, fucked that's, up? That's a very good point. I mean, they're sending dogs out to hunt this guy. And like, I've always like every movie, it's like, oh, I hope the dog doesn't die. And in this movie, it's like this dog's these dogs purpose is basically to catch these runaway slaves. And it's like I, I did not feel any compassion towards the dog when when the dog did when when a dog did die in this movie. So. Um, anyway, there's the, there's the, there's this young girl, the family is in the backyard and they're having, you know, uh, lunch or dinner or whatever. And the little girl sees him and she starts yelling runner and ringing the bell. And I was just like, this is like, this girl thinks she's doing the right thing here. And it just makes you realize what a fucked up period in history this was that oh yeah totally. that they raised their fucking children to to be like this to to grow up to be monsters you know it's just that that part really stuck out to me that that this little girl thought like what she was doing was like the right thing and how they were just brainwashing generation after generation and uh that was just a really fucked up moment to see this girl just, you know, a grown man running through the swamp, scared for his life, and a little a little girl fucking ringing a bell. To, no one should be able to own anyone. It was just, oh, it's just, it's 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 a really, it's a really fucked up piece of our history to look back on, and to think that it was, this happened in like the eighteen sixties. So we're you know, we're like 150 plus years removed from this. Like it's fucked up, man. Yeah. When he gives that, that speech before they go into battle at the end about, you know, why they're there and what they're fighting for. I found that to be very, very moving. Yeah. I also like seeing like all the, at the end, um, all the, uh, the liberated black men that were fighting, for their freedom at the end. Yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, you don't, you don't I mean, we get to see a lot of like civil war movies, but you don't get to see a lot of black soldiers that actually were fighting as well. So um yeah, Ben Foster was great. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a I think it's a great movie. I wish I could have seen this in the theater though. Yeah, that there's a scene where Ben Foster kind of gives his origin story as yes. to why he became who he is, and I thought that was a very powerful scene. I, I at first I almost thought maybe he wasn't a bad guy; he was just in this like 
position that he didn't want to be in. But then by the time he kind of finishes his origin story, you realize just how twisted this this person is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Binge 2. It's a wonderful binge. I didn't know this was a sequel, Jake. It is? Yeah. It's called. I thought it was just <laughs> called... I thought it was just called It's a Wonderful Binge. Apparently, it's called The Binge 2. It's a Wonderful Binge. So it's a sequel. And all drugs and alcohol are illegal except on the day of the binge. Several years after the first binge, best friends Hags, Andrew, Sarah, and Kimmy face the realities of young adulthood. As the annual binge is moved to Christmas Eve... Amidst the chaos, Hags plans a proposal to Sarah while Andrew deals with his rocky relationship with his family and his girlfriend, Kimmy. Will they survive this holiday season? It's written and directed by Jordan Vandina. It stars Eduardo Franco, Dexter Darden, Zane Salee, Marta Picars, Danny Trejo, Tony Cavallero, Nick Swartzen, Caitlin Olson, Tim Meadows, Paul Shear, Patty Guggenheim. Yeah, um... This is another one of these just bizarre fucking movies that I don't know how to break down. Yeah, it's like it's kind of like a, a purge parody in a way. But instead of one night a year, you can do whatever crime you want one night a year. All drugs are deemed illegal. And but one night a year, which happens to be Christmas Eve, you're legally allowed to do as much drug use as you want. Yeah. Parts of this movie had me laughing, and then parts of it were just stupid. Yeah, I hated this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I this was this movie was complete shit snakes, uh, a total toss. It I I I don't think I laughed once. I'm trying I'm trying to think if anything made me laugh whatsoever. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't stand this movie whatsoever. I think the only character that kind of made me smile was the mayor character and all her stupid like oh, that board was, game references that th- she would make. And even that—that's Caitlin like, it Olson. So, it from... was so stupid that I that I kind of chuckled at it. But yeah, I, I thought this movie kind of lost its way about halfway through too. There was like way too many different storylines going on, and none of them were really ever that interesting whatsoever. Um, yeah, I thought I thought no one should ever let Danny Trejo sing again. That was something that I, I didn't need to see and did not want to see after seeing it. Um, yeah, I thought this was an unfunny mess. It had the, I, I like the one girl from she was in She-Hulk. What was her name? Was she the mayor's daughter? No, 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 no. It was like the the couple that were <laughs> I can't believe it. I can't even it was the couple that were in the car that were in that like that big stretch limo car. Okay. Uh, okay. What was the name of that girl? She was also in She Hulk. She Oh my god, I can't believe I don't know who she is. I can't remember what her character's name was in She-Hulk. I'm getting no help from anyone cuz no Yeah, I'm knows. sorry. If I if I knew, I would say, you know, um yeah, I don't know. What what it's I want to know what Stephanie thought. She of was it. like this? She was like my name is in She-Hulk, she was the character who was like my name is something with an E and the E is not where you think it is. What? Madeline or whatever. <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> well, that's what her—that's what her character's name was in She-Hulk. 
It was Madeline Madison. It was Madison. Ma- Madison, yes. yes and it was close. a Y, not an E. So yeah, it was Madison. So the girl that, that played Madison and She Hulk was in this, <laughs> and I thought she was funny. <laughs> so that's it. All right, go ahead. What do you think, Stephanie? <laughs> this movie was terrible. It's a total toss it for me. It was just really lame at parts. I remember thinking like rolling like I distinctly remember rolling my eyes at the scene towards the beginning where the actor who was in Stranger Things that drove the Pete the with the long <laughs> this movie's so fucking bad. Eduardo Franco. Yeah. He's sitting at the table with his family and they're all like yelling at each It's so ridiculous. It's just dumb. I, I couldn't. I can't. I I I I don't think this movie had one redeeming quality for me. Oh, I do one. remember one part that made me laugh pretty hard. Actually, I, I laughed pretty hard at the Terminator Two stuff. But that was pretty funny, and I love that the cop referred to him as Terminator Two when she was letting him out oh, of jail. Yes, yeah, yes, that was funny. <laughs> Terminator Two, Terminator Two, and he's like trying to ram himself through the bars. I I, I laughed at that. I guess I think I like this a little bit more than you guys. I think it was I think like half of it was just funny and then half of it was just complete stupid. I'm still going to give it a low taste it though. So I'm at a low taste it for this one. And um, yeah. Yeah. This movie was like an hour shorter than Emancipation and it felt like it was an hour longer. Yeah. God. It feel long. OK. I have nothing left to say about it. This movie, because it was. I'm I'm still in a state of shock that this was a sequel. I did like Tim Meadows when he they first showed him and he was doing the ice sculpture, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it was it was the dumbest looking ice sculpture I've ever seen. I just I like Tim Meadows just playing like straight comedy. I think he's yeah, I normally funny. love. Tim Meadows in those kind of roles, but it really did nothing for me here. Like the whole hot tub scene, I, I didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. I, yeah, eh. yeah. Don't watch this movie, people. It is, it is, <laughs> it is stupid. <laughs> I think you have to be really fucking high to like this movie. Like fucking high out of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to say that didn't help. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. It doesn't work. All right. That's all God, that's all I got for good pop bad pop. Let's jump into the pop culture leftovers news this week. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a lot of news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right. If you were a fan of Bob Odenkirk's Nobody or the latest Violent Night film, here's some good news from Dark Horizons. The David Harbour-led holiday-themed action comedy Violent Night hit theaters on Friday and is coming in ahead of expectation expectations with around $13 million to be taken in over the three-day weekend. Combined with some very good reviews, it's good enough result for what is a $20 million budgeted film that sequel speculation will no doubt begin. Speaking with Collider, the film's producer Kelly McCormick says a sequel is on her wish list. She tells the outlet that a sequel to the Bob Odenkirk-led Nobody is in the works. And should Violent Night box office hold well, a sequel that could go beyond the mere talked about phase. Quote, we're working on a lot of originals right now. We're also working on a Nobody 2. We hope to make it uh, start production next year. So fingers crossed. So our theory is you don't need to make a good sequel just to make a sequel. Uh, 
So our theory is you don't need to make a good sequel just to make a sequel. Okay, I mean, that's there most you go. people's theories when it comes to sequels. Uh, we need to make a great sequel. And so it's okay. about, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so it's about making sure that we get it right. And if we do, I think there's a lot of hope that we can uh, go next year. Um, we're also hoping to start working on Violent Night 2 if everything goes well the next few weeks. Uh, we have a tendency just to keep our heads down and focus on what's in front of us or near. So yeah, that's kind of it. We're in it. We still have two and a half months of work to do on this one. So um, what a sequel might entail isn't clear, but Harbor himself came up with a great idea. He related to Digital Spy, which would involve putting two of the Internet's favorites, other daddies in fluffy ears and fairy wings. Uh, we got to get Pedro and Oscar. He's talking about Pedro Pascal and Oscar Isaac to play the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy in the next iteration. The Santa Cinematic Universe with a bunch of daddies as imaginary creatures. <laughs> so um, I don't think either one of you have seen Violent Night, but it was fucking fantastic. It's super charming. It's super violent. It has a great Christmas message. And it's funny. Um, I loved it. And it harkens to fucking Die Hard and Home Alone. And it works. It just fucking works. It's a great fucking holiday movie. If you want to see something R-rated with a Christmas message, it's really good. <laughs> it got a Tupperware party. Like last week on the show, we had Dre and Joe on. They both loved it. I loved it as well. I I saw it on IMAX. I I you know I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. I'm, I'm excited at the possibility of getting a sequel for it. I hope it again comes out during the Christmas season, which would make sense. But um, and then I'm excited for nobody too. I loved the first one, so yeah, I want to see more Bob Odenkirk action star. Yeah, you know that's a movie I still have yet to see, and I, I love me some Bob Odenkirk. I, I need to put nobody high on the list. Yeah, you need to listen to the Bob Odenkirk fly on the wall episode if you haven't. Okay, where, where he talks about like all the training that he went into to get. Ready. He took the role super seriously. He trained for months. I think he trained for a couple of years <laughs> to get to where he was in that movie. And it's really, really fucking good. So um, excited for that. News from Cinema Blend. Avatar 2 reactions are in. Here's what people are saying about James Cameron's The Way of Water. Jake, we're going to be reviewing this next week. Yeah. Very excited. Sean O'Connell from Cinema Blend says James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water surpasses the original on every level. Incredible visuals, but a much more emotional connection to the characters and story. The final hour is Cameron flexing every muscle, reminding blockbuster filmmakers how it's done. Let Jim Cameron make as many of these blue people movies as he wants. Perry Nemiroff from Collider says Avatar The Way of Water is pretty incredible. I had faith James Cameron would raise the bar with effects, but these visuals are mind-blowing. One stunning frame after the next, but the thing I dug most is how the technical feats always feel in service of character and world-building. As for the story, it's a lot of movie, and I'm eager for a second viewing to revisit some details, but on first watch, it's a mighty effective exploration of community and family dynamics. Returning cast is great. But the newcomers are major standouts, particularly Britton Dalton as Loak. And yes, this did make me want to see more Avatar movies. I would also like a whole lot more of Cliff Curtis Tanauri in those movies, please. 
Brandon Davis says Avatar The Way of Water is a never-ending visual spectacle. It's a better, more complex story than the first with solid emotion, but the characters could grow a bit more. It's definitely long, running on incredible visuals and techniques, which are 3D's best. These are all positive so far. Like, if you do... I've got more that I'm going to read here, more quotes. But if you do go out and read the quotes, it's more positive than negative. There are negatives out there, but it's more positive than negative. Ian Sandwell, even, go ahead. I was gonna, Even the negative stuff I've seen have still praised that third act. Yeah. Yeah. Ian Sandwell from Digital Spy says, unsurprisingly, Avatar The Way of Water is a visual masterpiece with rich use of 3D and breathtaking vistas. It does suffer from a thin story and too many characters to juggle, yet James Cameron pulls it together for an extraordinary final act full of emotion and thrilling action. Jack Shepard from Total Film says, Avatar The Way of Water pushes CGI to new places and uses the word family more than any Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> oh, uh, no. While some of the new characters are under, underutilized, Pandora is miraculously realized, the underwater stuff glorious, and the final third is full of incredible action. See in IMAX. And I've got Amanda Salas says, Feliz Navidad. Indeed, Navi. That's an Avatar joke, everybody. Oh. Um, Avatar The Way of Water is a cinematic masterpiece. I enjoyed it even more than the first one. It conquers stunning visuals on screen and taps into the heart, reminding us what truly matters in life, family, home, nature, and survival. My top film of the year. She says it's her top film of the year. She was asked what her second film was, and she said Top Gun Maverick. So she likes this more than Maverick. Um yeah. Uh, Jake, are you a little bit more excited to see Avatar 2? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for the spectacle of it all. I, I'm excited to see, you know, modern 3D technology and what Cameron's going to do with that. I'm excited to see this third act that everyone's really putting on the pedestal. Uh, I'm still not excited for a three-plus-hour movie where I have to wear 3D glasses, though. Stephanie, is this something that you're uh, going to be watching? And or, and if you are watching, are you excited to <laughs> sit down and watch it? Yeah, I don't think I'll be able to avoid going to see it. I think, yeah, I'll go see it. I The first Avatar was fine. I don't think it was nearly as great as I think everybody else did. But I think visually it was a stunning movie. And I have no doubt that The Way of Water will be also. Um, I... I'm disapp- I know that there's a lot technically that goes into making Avatar movies. And so I understand that that doesn't happen overnight. I think I'm just a little not shocked or disappointed because I wasn't that invested in the first movie. It's been like 13 years since the first one came out, something like that. 2009, I think. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So it just, I mean, a bit of a wait, but whatever. Um, so I, I think it's fine. I don't have any high hopes for the story. Um, because I think the story in the first one was um, was mediocre at best. And I think, you know, I don't – James Cameron movies are fine. His storytelling in Avatar movies, though, I don't expect it necessarily to take a leap and to be the most amazing story – the most amazing plot I've ever seen. So whatever. I'm sure it will be visually stunning. Um, but I also am curious to see how it does in theaters domestically. Um, I wonder if – 
the kind of excitement and fascination with Avatar is still what it was when the movie, the first movie was released. And so I like to see how well it does domestically. I know it'll probably do really well internationally, but that's, I think, what I'm most interested in. But I'll go see it just because I think I should probably just should. I think it did 700 million plus domestically. I could, I think it, it was, I think it landed between 700 and 74, uh, 700 and 740 million domestically. The first one? The first one. The second one, they're saying domestically it should hit about 650 million domestically. And they're already talking about the Chinese box office. Uh, this comes from Dark Horizons. Uh, James, Cameron's, uh, James Cameron's Avatar The Way of Water marks one of the few Hollywood films that is getting a theatrical release in China this year, and the audience looks ready to show up for it. Uh, Fran's speech reports that the sci-fi sequel is projected to earn anywhere from $185 million to $205 million in China alone in its opening weekend. To put that in perspective, the original debuted to $73 million in its first two weeks of release in China before heading on to a total $265 million gross. The sequel's debut, China Hall, would join the film's U.S. domestic opening, which is on track anywhere between $167 million and $192 million next weekend. Exhibitors desperately need the film to succeed, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> so I think it's... uh I think it's got a healthy opening in China, and I think it's going to do pretty well here domestically in its opening weekend. And um, I'm still betting it's going to hit over a 1.5 billion, Jake. I still think it will. <laughs> yeah, we're literally betting. <laughs> yeah, 20 bucks. And no, and you can't use that 20. If I win, you can't use that 20 bucks to go into like into something else. I want I want 20 dollars hard cash in my hand. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't understand what you're you're accusing me of possibly doing. Because you're taking me to a Bulls game. We already talked about this. Don't be like that. Twenty bucks goes to the Bulls oh, game. Oh, I would. I would. I'm insulted that you would think I would welch a bet like that. Yeah, I want insulted. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, want, you want twenty bucks hard cash? Yeah, yeah. It's not going to be some other thing. I want. I want. I want you to fucking give me that twenty dollars in cash. I want you to go to the goddamn bank and do. It. I want the. With, I want the withdrawal slip to come with it as well. Yeah, I will. I will personally draw a mustache on Jefferson. No, I don't want you defacing U.S. currency. <laughs> do not deface U.S. currency. I don't want you I will to make a president into a navy. No, I don't want you yeah. to. I was going to say, don't paint him blue. Don't do any of that shit. <laughs> All right. I just want a fucking $20 bill handed to me when it makes over 1.5. No cash app. No, I, I will physically give you the yes. $20 bill. Yes. I want, I want to hear, I want to hear, I want to hear a, a knock at my door. You put the $20 bill in my hand and then just walk away. <laughs> walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Get back in the car and drive your ass home. <laughs> Wait, who's betting what? Is somebody betting that it won't and somebody's betting that it will, I'm assuming. I'm saying it's going to make that it won't. I'm saying it's going to make over 1. Point, in its box office hall, it'll make over 1.5 billion. And it needs to. Didn't I read recently that the that over 1 billion was spent to make it? 
Yeah, we reported on that, that it has to be like the third or fourth highest grossing movie of all time to even turn a profit. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I want to see how this bet turns out. And I also think that uh, I am expecting James Cameron to give us more of a story in this one. I think after you've got 13 years and you've got... It's hard to give us less of one. I'm just... <laughs> all I'm saying is I think that he needs to show up for this one. I mean... Yeah. It's... I'm. It, Trust. Like, I, st- I still think he's a great director. I, I I mean, I think he's a great director, too. And I think, you know, and I think he's 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 really good at sequels. And I think that he's had years to fucking put this together. And if he doesn't amp- if he doesn't ramp this fucking story up. I mean, yeah, I, I do think that the first movie was very thin on story as far as like it was all like visuals. And I think yeah, that yeah. I, I think that you need that blend. I think, you know, if you're going to have all these fucking visuals to get me to even care about watching Avatar 3, which is like which is a, a lot of these quotes from these critics that went and saw the, you know, the, the, the critic screening. They're saying that now I can't wait for Avatar 3. I'm looking forward to more of these movies after this one. So you think if anybody's going to shit on this, it's going to be the critics and for the most part, they've been very entertained with this movie. They found it very entertaining. Of course, they're all gushing about the visuals, but I'm, I, I do expect more of a story from Cameron. If he doesn't deliver on that, I'm going to leave the theater upset. Um, you know, it, it, it's going to be hard doing a review on this fucking movie next week if all we're talking about is like, if every review, if every person that watches this movie that's on the episode next week, Jake says, well, you know, I liked, the visuals were amazing. It looks great in 3D, but the story was meh. Yeah, super thin. Yeah, like what is there to really talk about? Are we just going to gush about the the 3D and the effects? Or by the end of this, are we actually going to be able to talk about like, you know. What's going to happen next? Like, what, what are we exactly in Avatar 3? Because that's we- every Marvel movie. That's, that's all that, you know, that's DC, that's Marvel. We're talking about like. What can we expect out of the next movie? We're theorizing and stuff. And if you don't care to think about like the next movie, what's the fucking point of, of promising four of these movies, possibly five or six? So he needs to fucking nail this story down to where we care about these characters going forward. I think I'm really interested to see Sigourney Weaver's performance as one of these child nobbies. That that doesn't that blow your mind, Jake? Yeah, that is an interesting uh, interesting choice. I I'm excited for that too. Go ahead, Stephanie. I felt like you had something to say. No, I was just gonna say I was just gonna echo what you were saying, and I feel like yeah, I, and I'm, that's I think that's my main concern with the second with this sequel is just that he spends so much time and effort on the visuals and making sure this is one of the most visually appealing movies anybody's ever seen that it's hard to imagine that he overlooks such a thin story in the first one. So I would worry that the same thing would happen. I agree with what you're saying with 13 years and a billion dollars, yeah. there better be, there's no reason <laughs> not to have a better story. It's like absolutely none. Right. Yeah. I'm a little bit nervous about like, one thing the first one had going for it that this one doesn't is I don't think the first one he necessarily envisioned this franchise quite yet. And the fact that we already know he's like already written up to four of these movies. I don't want this. I want this movie to still feel like a beginning, a middle and an end. 
and not just like a three plus hour prelude to the next movie. Cause that always drives me crazy when I see stuff like that. So I, I hope this movie feels like a, a complete movie on its own and not just like a prelude to another movie. I just hope that, I just hope this movie makes me care about this world to begin with. Because yeah. after that last one, I, I I don't I mean, I was there for the visuals. Like I was blown away by this world. I, I thought like the the 3D was incredible. And a lot of people are actually praising the the high frame rate in this one. Like the same people that were like shitting on the high frame rate in the Hobbit movies are saying like it works here. It looks great. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I can't wait to see what it's like. I really have no idea what I'm going to think about this movie. Mm-hmm. I have a dumb question. What's a high frame rate? You know, um, Jake, it's like on like in the you know in the in the when you're watching. I don't like the soap operas on TV now. Have you mm-hmm. how they like on a 4K TV? You know how they're filmed and they it just how do you explain it, Jake? It's just it's uh, the frame rate is how many how many frames are going by per second per second. Yeah, and it's, isn't it the called higher the, the frame rate is FPS? Yeah, FPS. The, um, the higher the frame rate is, the more like smooth stuff looks, but. As an audience, you're so used to what the normal frame rate a movie that a movie is that I don't think audiences were ready for it when it came to The Hobbit. It it tends to look unnatural to people because they're so even though it's technically a more lifelike and smoother experience, it tends to feel faker sometimes to the general audience because they're just so wired to what the normal frame rate is. I don't know if you've ever um, watched like on just like like a like a soap opera on TV the way it is now with like the with that is it that is it like that motion smoothing or whatever it's called Jake Yeah, yeah I yeah. know what you're talking yes, about. Yes, that's it kind of makes it look more real life. Yes. And they Yeah, and the thing is with movies and TV, everything's pretty much at a standard. Like everything is pretty much exactly the same frame rate. Uh, you see it a lot more in video games where even like one PlayStation 5 game will have a higher rate than another PlayStation 5 game. And you you see a lot of differences between games where, for the most part, movies all share the same frame rate. And I think that's why people like were not fans of it with The Hobbit. I think it might work better with Avatar, though, because it's so much more fantastical. You're already in like an alien world. So what's adding a frame rate that you're not used to? If anything, it's just going to make it seem more alien, which is a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see it. So um, let's jump into Marvel news this week. Marvel news. Uh, the direct had an article this week titled uh, Marvel movie and show cutback expected for 2023 and 2024. 2021 saw the MCU release a franchise record nine projects in theaters and on Disney Plus, including eight from the live action sphere. 
This past year only saw a slight dip with eight different releases, which included the MCU's first two special presentations with Werewolf by Night and the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special both coming to Disney+. Plus. Although the Multiverse Saga, still, Multiverse Saga still has plenty of new material left to release in the year's coming, fans and critics alike have grown concerned about Marvel Studios being a little too ambitious with its release schedule. In fact, returning D- Disney CEO Bob Iger is already considering some big changes to that upcoming slate to ensure that the MCU's quality remains intact as the story continues to expand. Now, a new rumor might be telling fans not to expect that same quantity of releases from the last couple of years as Phase 5 and 6 inch closer. Marvel Studios is expected to decrease the number of movies and TV shows it will release in 2023 and 2024, according to Alex Perez from the Cosmic Circus. Uh, The insider noted that this is in order to make sure that MCU's quality remains as high as possible and that fans shouldn't expect to see one MCU release every month, which was almost the case in 2021 and 2022. Quote, while the slate moving means having to wait longer for future projects to be released, it's ultimately for the sake of the of keeping quality, uh, quality over quantity. I'll just say this. Don't expect 2022's schedule of at least one Marvel project e- each month to stay true for 2023 and 2024. Um, and it looks like, what is it? 2023, we're getting... In the movies, we're getting Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and the Marvels. And then for the shows, we're getting Secret Invasion, Echo, Loki Season 2, and Ironheart, and then X-Men 97. That's still a lot of shit. Darkness next year too, right? Uh, They're saying that that is 2024. Okay. That's still a ton. It's still a lot. Yeah, I feel like a lot of like the COVID definitely really clogged up the works and made it so a lot of stuff came out closer together too. Like once everything started rolling again. In 2024, it looks like Captain America New World Order, Thunderbolts, Blade, Untitled Deadpool movie. And then the shows are Agatha, Daredevil Born Again, Marvel Zombies, and then Spider-Man Freshman Year. I don't know. It's still it's still a lot of content. And this just sounds like bullshit Marvel PR to me. It's not, just saying saying what a certain sect of people want to hear. Yeah. And well, it's coming from the Cosmic Circus too, which they they don't have the most reputable track record, in my opinion. And it's like Bob Iger just came back. Like, how the fuck do you know? Yeah, some of the quotes are ridiculous. They're like, "Oh, we're going to focus more on quality." Like, like what? What are they going to say? Uh, we're going to we're going to make shit for another year. No, I was just saying, like, just the fact that, like, if it's true, <clears throat> for me, it's like if it's if it if it is true that they're going to focus on quality over quantity. Just the fact that they're acknowledging that some of the fan base has had problems with a lot of stuff coming out and the quality not quite being there, that the fact that they're actually addressing that this is a problem is, you know, is like the first step. But to me, it doesn't seem like they're slowing down at all, that they're still pumping out the same amount of content that they did previously. 
Yeah, and I do agree that absence makes the heart grow fonder. Like if there were bigger breaks in between projects, you couldn't help but get more excited. Oh, I know. It's just too much. Stephanie, we've talked about this before. There's it's like yeah. it feels like homework as opposed to <laughs> as opposed to like event, you know, like appointment appointment TV. Like Jake, have you even finished She-Hulk? No. See? I can't imagine that. Like, you know, five, six years ago, if they were released a She-Hulk series, Jake, you would have had it. You would have eaten that shit up. It's just like. Yeah, it, it just became too much. Like, it, it felt like we had to every week with the with the Marvel stuff. It was like you had to sit in front of your TV. And I just, yeah, it just got a little bit tired. Yeah. I don't believe. I think the report is fucking. I think it's just speculation. I don't think yeah, it sounds it sounds made up to me. I don't yeah. think um, Feige would ever like diss the quality of what happened before so blatantly like that. Like, even if it was true, I don't think like he wouldn't be saying stuff like this unless there were financial flops, and then maybe he would talk in that kind of tone. But right. no, yeah, yeah. To even admit that there's like. You know, a problem. You know, why admit it? <laughs> they're, they're probably just like, stay the course. We're fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Secret Wars rumor from Great Phase on Twitter. It's not even a rumor. It's basically Great Phase says it's just common sense. There there can be no scoops for who's appearing in Secret Wars because it's just common sense. The only scoops, <laughs> the only scoops there will be is who isn't there. So basically, like that's the that's the story here is like they're inviting literally everyone, anyone and everyone they can to be involved. In Secret Wars. So the scoops coming out of Secret Wars is like, who isn't going to be there? Because it's like they're asking everyone, Jake. Yeah, I I got to imagine they are. I mean, they have to one up what happened in Endgame and Infinity War. And yeah, it's going to be anything and everything. That, 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 that's, worry, that's worrisome to me, just a bit. Only because in Endgame... That we saw everybody, but they came in at the end and they didn't need to speak. They just needed to do. And the first two thirds of the movie were like a select group of characters that had gotten to that point. And so although it was a lot, it wasn't nearly as many as like they have. I mean, at the end, there was you know probably well over 100 people. But you know what I mean? So I hope that it doesn't feel I hope it's done well and it's not, it doesn't feel like they're just trying to fit every, every person they can in or every character rather that they can in just for the sake of having them in this tentpole movie. I don't, uh, Jake, will it feel like a rehash of like all the characters coming back or will it feel like a completely new experience because we're going to see characters come over from like the Fox verse this time? You know? I think it'll feel like a new experience because it's not just, I think characters that we haven't seen in any movie with these characters are going to be, are, are going to be showing up. It's the whole multiverse aspect of it. I think will make it feel fresh. I mean, to see to see Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider alongside some of these characters just seems wild to me. So wait, are we yeah, Ghost yeah, Rider? The, the two Chris Evans. That's the scoop. Torch and, that's yeah. that's the scoop, Stephanie. The scoop is. Who is not going to be there? They're asking. They're, it sounds like they're going to be asking literally everyone to make an appearance in this. So, Talk yes. Lundgren, get in here. We need your Punisher. Like every they're going to be asking every, <laughs> everyone 
I wouldn't say Dolph Lundgren. I would say <laughs> I would say they're I was trying to think of the most ridiculous. One. I know, of course. I think they're going to be asking people that have been involved in like the Fox verse and stuff like that. So yeah, they're going to be asking Nicolas Cage to, you know, be be ghostwriter again and they're going to be, you know, we'll probably get to see, you know, Toby and Andrew come back as the Spider-Man and you know, Halle Berry is Storm and um, you know, I I I think that's that's the hope, right? You know, uh Hugh Jackman and Wolverine. I, I think that's the hope. They're gonna be asking everybody. So yeah, I think I th- it'll feel different because everybody will be involved. Everybody that they that they can get. So let me ask you a question. Are you excited about Secret Wars and what it could potentially be? I know we're still a ways off from that, but what are your thoughts? you i'm hopeful <clears throat> I, I i'm hopeful i i um you know i think we i want to see more of uh jonathan majors as kang what i've seen so far i like but i i want to see more um i'm very hopeful as to what we're going to get out of secret wars um what about you jake yeah, I'm excited for it. It's just such a daunting task that I'm excited to see if they can pull it off. Yeah, I, I, I'm excited for it, Stephanie. I mean, there's a lot of hope and promise there. I, I think that we as Marvel fans are so – we're accustomed to greatness because of Infinity War and Endgame that if we get anything less – than what we got from those two movies in this one. We don't even know who's directing Secret Wars yet. So, but, but if we get anything less from what we got from Infinity War and Endgame, which in my opinion was like the perfect culmination of like those first phases and it just, you know, from Infinity War to Endgame, it's just, just a beautiful ending. You know, Tony Stark dying. My God. What, yeah. How do you top that? How do you top that? I mean... If I had to place a bet, you're not going to be able to. I think Secret Wars is going to be a lot of fun. I think we're going to see a lot of wild characters, a lot of great things happening. But I don't know how you top that. I I, I agree. I don't think it's going to be like the emotional delivery that like Infinity War and Endgame were. I think it's going to be a bit more of a theme park movie. I think the one thing that Secret Wars is going to have going for it, and I'm calling it, and I is when is when Captain America comes back. When they yeah, take that'll, when, be, that'll be huge. When they take when they take old man Cap and they de-age him, and he comes back, that'll be like the big kind of fucking moment that people are gonna go nuts for in the theater like that's gonna be like you know like that moment in the theater where fucking cat picks up mielnor and people just when cat comes out of the shadows lost their fucking brains yeah yeah but i think i think in secret wars when cap comes back that's going to be like the big moment so and i also think that there's a big chance that we're going to see robert downey jr come back as tony stark from the multiverse, not not the one we remember, but another, but another version of Tony Stark 
Like, I, I think there's a, I think there's a big chance of us getting Iron Man back just for this movie. I'm not saying going forward in the MCU. I'm just saying that they might pull a different, a different Iron Man from another multiverse. And we can oh, see I that agree. in Secret Wars. If we're getting fucking Nick Cage Ghost Rider, we're sure as fuck getting Robert Downey Jr. Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Um, the, yeah. I th- uh, I'm going to shut up because I don't I, I, I don't. Yeah, I'll be quiet. If you want to know more about that. Because I, I don't know. This was all speculation. This was all speculation. Uh, we did an Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania spoiler episode where we compiled all the um, Ant-Man and Wasp Quantum Mania spoilers that are out there on the internet. And um, there's no confirmation in the spoiler episode at all about Tony Stark Iron Man. But I there's a particular scene in that movie, if, if the rumors are true that I believe could be setting up the return of, of, of a version of Tony Stark. So listen to that episode if you want to hear about that. But, um, yeah, I'm excited for Secret Wars. I just don't know if it's going to, I don't know if this next phase, ending this next phase is going to be as satisfying. If that makes any sense. I just don't know how the fuck you, you top what we got from the Russo brothers in Infinity War and Endgame. I just don't know how you top that, especially with the way this this phase has started out for me. So yeah, yeah, it seems very daunting. Yeah, uh, Daredevil: Born Again rumor from Daniel RPK. This is I, I, I guess this is like been the rumor over the past few weeks. He's saying that Daredevil: Born Again will likely be TVMA. He said this on Patreon, and this has also been backed up. It sounds like from charlie cox this was uh from the direct during a panel at german comic-con um that featured daredevil stars charlie cox and eldon henson cox casually teased that his mcu hero mcu mcu hero could have a place in deadpool 3 due to the tone of daredevil born again quote because of the tone of our show i think there's a place for daredevil to show up in deadpool would be really cool you mean vice versa for Deadpool to show up in Daredevil? What's that? D- Dare- uh, you said there's a place for um, Daredevil to show up in Deadpool. I think you meant for Deadpool to show up in Daredevil, right? No, that I'm quote. This is the quote from Cox. Oh, I misread that quote. Then quote Cox says because of the tone of our show, I think there's a place for Daredevil to show up in Deadpool. He was talking about they the the. the the article from the direct was it was like a Deadpool three story. And they're talking about like, you know, could could Daredevil show up in Deadpool three? And then and the the main gist that we're getting from this article is the fact that it lines up with Daredevil Born Again possibly being TVMA. We know that Deadpool is going to be an R rated feature for the MCU and it sounds like Charlie Cox is privy to the tone of this new Daredevil show being a little bit more mature 
So due to the tone of their show, Daredevil could show up in Deadpool. So hopefully, I mean, it sounds like I might be getting the Daredevil that I want. That R-rated, violent Daredevil that we got from the Netflix series. That might be what we get from Daredevil Born Again, which has me very excited if this is true. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, that's interesting. That I mean, that's what I would draw from that, too. If you're saying that you could plug Daredevil into the Deadpool movie, that that wouldn't be the case if we were doing PG Daredevil. So, yeah, that, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, it's not like we're going to get, um, um, you know, the uh, the actor that plays Ms. Marvel to say, oh, yeah, my character could definitely show up in a Deadpool movie. Yeah, slot, slot her right into Deadpool 3. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, did you hear that the actor that plays her father is now in trouble for sexual allegations? No. Yeah. Yeah. Like, apparently, like, a, a young actor that he worked with pulled up, like, a whole, like, Twitter like a like a like a text message thread that he had with her. So it, uh, basically, like, do not expect to see that actor come back for season two. It sounds like he's going to be in some trouble. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I had I had not heard about that. It's fucked up. Like she, he was. I guess the actor was like he's in a relationship with a woman, and the girl went to that woman and told her about it, and she brushed it off as well. So she like she knew that he was that way. It's fucked up, dude. Yeah, there was a whole. Yeah, article. I'm reading it now. It was a 15 year old girl too. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. No. Yeah. Good fucking riddance. Jesus. Oh, gross. Yeah. Uh, rumor from Thwipped on Twitter, uh, scoop Marvel 100% has plans to use the guardians of the galaxy again after volume three, but the team will be almost completely different. Expect to see them in Avengers five and six, not another solo film for a while. And then Palm Clementif, who plays Mantis, addressed the post guardians three world while appearing at on the D 23 podcast. She said, what I can say is that, again, it's going to be very funny, but also extremely emotional. And it's going to be, in some ways, the end of the chapter as the Guardians of the Galaxy family. So we'll see what happens after. You know, it's not like over, over, but it's still, it's going to be different after for sure. Yeah, and Gunn is kind of um, hinted towards this even before the second movie even came out. That it was always going to be three movies and that the guardians that you saw after the third movie would be a completely different iteration than what you saw in the first three movies. So, and none of this news is very surprising to me. It's kind of what they've led us to believe for a long time. Yeah. I think he had plan. I think the plans were different though. Maybe. Yeah. I think the, the, the plan probably involved more guardians movies, but I still think the the family was going to be, completely fractured by the end of the third movie yeah. and that the next iteration of the team would be like i'm pretty sure gun himself was quoted as saying that the guardians that you saw after the third movie would be a completely different team yeah i wonder if the deaths because i feel like we're gonna definitely see some deaths but i wonder if the deaths changed after. i would say 100 percent they did i do i think that too i really do i really do um 
Did you see that Zoe Saldana spoke out about the ridiculous secrecy that Marvel has the actors put up with? No, I haven't seen this. (laughs) She said, I think she's done. She said, this is from, (laughs) I think she's done. This is from Yahoo News. She recently said that she, quote, felt artistically stuck in my craft and of not being able to expand or grow or challenge myself during her years in the superhero franchise. Now she has another grievance to air. This concerns the hubbub around her February Instagram post in which she donned Gamora Green while reading the Guardians of the Galaxy 3 script. She quickly had to take it down, quote, because of Marvel security. Other MCU stars have discussed the intense secrecy around the scripts. Sometimes the studio and directors give the actors false pages. Sometimes the full script can only be read for a limited amount of time in a locked room on an iPad. Saldana quite reasonably tells in style that these methods can be annoying sometimes. Quote, that's not cool because you have to memorize, you have to prepare, you have to do research. And I tend to take myself a little too seriously sometimes. She says of the limited time she had with her script pages, quote, I really enjoy working with filmmakers that don't underestimate my intelligence and know that I'm an adult. I will be discreet. It is as important to me as it is for him or her that I don't let these scripts get out of my sight. She feels like she's being micromanaged over at Marvel. Like, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and it sounds like she, like, it affects her actual craft, too. Like, not being able to have more time to let that stuff kind of marinate is affecting her ability to give the best performance she could possibly give. Yeah, like, just imagine, like, trying to do this. This is her job, and she feels like, you know, I'm an adult. I'm not going to get out. All she did was post a picture of her in green and the script, and she had to take it down. Like, what the fuck? And, yeah, being locked in a room with an iPad with limited time. Like, it just, I mean, I guess we can, you know... We, I, you got to look at it from her as an actor because, I mean, we think that they have, like, these tremendous jobs. They should be lucky to be where they are. But even with having, like, you know, her her level of fame and the, and I'm sure, like, you know, a lot of money rolling in from these, from these jobs. Like, I guess a lot of people are, you should just be happy to be working with Marvel. I, I think it goes past that when they're when it's like they're guarding this shit like it's i don't even think kfc guards like the seven <laughs> ingredients in in the recipe more than fucking marvel does some of this shit sometimes right i mean yeah. i just, yeah. i can see it from both sides i definitely can see how it can stifle your process and what you do as you know in a creative art form like acting can be i also see where people like Tom Holland and Mark Ruffalo or let and shit leak left and right by accident. And so there's usually there's a rule because people break the rule, the initial kind of more lenient rules, people break those. And so they have to be a little, a little bit more strict. This is not a little bit more strict. So I get it, but I do see it from both sides. Cause some people just are maybe not as cautionary, cautionary or maybe as careful 
and so everybody's yeah, affected th- and then a, to the end degree. There's a difference between being a fucking idiot and letting something <laughs> out. You know what I mean? There's a difference between being a fucking moron and letting something slip in a convention or an interview as opposed to like her just trying to fucking memorize her lines and they throw them in a, in a, in a room limited time and they, they and then they also hand you like false scripts and shit. Like what? It's, it's a, excessive. It's excessive. I think it, it is. is. It is excessive. Yeah, have some faith in your actors. I could get being that way with like the fucking grip or the lighting boy, but let these actors like don't bait and switch them with fake scripts. That's that's terrible. Uh, do you think that okay, like what do you think, Jake? Just give them their sides, you know? And what I mean by that is just, like, they don't get to see the full script. They just get to see their lines. That's much more understandable. And let it be a, a case-by-case, like, process. Like, obviously, like, Mark Ruffalo and Tom Holland can't be trusted, and maybe you should take, like, those kind of, like, steps with, with people that have proven in the past that they can't keep their lips sealed. But at least give people one strike before you're like making them deal with shit like this. Yeah. It's, I don't, I don't, I just don't see how that's a, like that's a positive work environment. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> yeah. And if you're right, and if she is done, then that's the result of their excessiveness. But I mean, I, I do, I agree with Stephanie. I do see both sides of it. Like I very much appreciated, um, going into Endgame with, with, you know, very limited spoilers. They were out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> nothing was like, you know, set in stone. <laughs> they were out there, though. Um, uh, final thing I've got, it's just a Loki Season 2 rumor. Uh, we uh, we know that Raphael Casal, uh, the actor from Blind Spotting, who I love, I think he's fucking great, He's reportedly uh, in the show. He, I guess he's playing – the rumor is he's playing a – this comes from Daniel RPK. He's playing a character called X5. He's a rogue TVA agent who escaped in the 70s to become a movie star. No, that's a cool plot line. <laughs> well, we've heard the rumor that Sylvie is now in the 70s working as a cashier at McDonald's. So oh, that's it, li- hilarious. it lines up with that. <laughs> It lines up with that. I love Rafael Casal. I think the guy is fucking great. It's nice to see him uh, being brought into the MCU. Um, I think he's going to be a great addition to Loki season two. A lot of people that aren't familiar with the actor are going to get exposure to him and they're going to fall in love with him. I, I, I think he's going to be a standout. I really hope they give him a lot because I think he's fucking great. But a rogue TVA agent. He got away. He, he's in the seventies. He's a and he's going to become a movie star. Jake, could we see him again, possibly in the Wonder Man series? Now, yeah, I was the minute you said this, I thought about the Wonder Man series. I, I think it's very possible. That would be that would be very cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 trying to like put you know connect the dots here. And uh, I could definitely see him now being a part of the. Would they age? Would they age him up? I don't know. I, I think they would have to. I don't. I don't think we're dealing with flashbacks. I don't. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe Wonder Man's like 
father was also an actor and that's how we could do flashbacks or something along those lines but that's interesting yeah yeah i could see them finding a way to connect these two characters with both of them being actors yeah yeah because we know trevor slattery is also going to be in that series um yeah, so we'll see. That guys, that is I don't have it. I don't have it. Jake, was there any Star Wars news that came out this week? I didn't see shit. No, nothing that I saw. Um to touch on the for me personally, the biggest pop culture news of the week is that it looks like Dark Tower is going to get a second chance. Oh. Mike Flanagan has yeah. left left Netflix. Um he is proposing a five-season two-movie adaptation of The Dark Tower. So I I still I, I never thought I would see the day that we would get another shot at this. I thought that movie was it. My childhood had been fully raped, and I would never get another chance to see Dark Tower in any kind of like television or movie media again. Um, Flanagan did Gerald's Game. He did Doctor Sleep. He has a very good record doing Stephen King adaptations. Um, he's gone on record saying that this is a passion project of his, that it's, you know, for decades he, had, he has thought about making an adaptation of this series. Uh, he's envisioned what his opening shot would look like, you know, since he was a teenager. Um, very exciting news for me. Um, I know a lot of news this week has, you know, talked about how he's working for Amazon now. Um he is saying that it's not necessarily going to be an Amazon Prime show, that they're actually going to be shopping the Dark Tower series around. So even though he's got the Amazon deal, this series and movies could actually fall to another service or studio. But just knowing that someone that actually cares about this source material is going to be involved in making an adaptation of it rather than just the Hollywood machine trying to make a franchise out of it just just has me so excited. I, I, I can't wait to see what comes of it. I hope it doesn't just uh, – I know Glenn Mazzario um, filmed a Dark Tower pilot for Amazon Prime that you know actually cost millions of dollars that never saw the light of day. I would – be crushed if the same kind of thing happened here um yeah i'm I'm very giddy and very excited to have another shot at at dark tower done right yeah i'm reading about it now he's uh working on it with in uh, his intrepid pictures partner trevor macy um the duo have rights to the books and flanagan has written a pilot for what he calls his quote holy grail of tv work he says, we view it as a series that's going at least five seasons. And having lived with this project as long as I have, I have an enormous amount of it worked out in my brain. But I have a pilot script I'm thrilled with and a very detailed detailed outline for the first season and a broader outline for the subsequent seasons. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it's, uh, you know, he's got that deal with Amazon, but, uh, he's able to shop this project to other outlets if he chooses, if they, it sounds like if they pass, like they've got like first look. So, um, yeah, that's exciting. Also, while I was reading up on this, Jake, Kellogg's is coming out with little Debbie nutty buddy cereal. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. They have a few of those little Debbie cereals already. Like, I know they have, like, Cosmic Brownie cereal and Oatmeal Cream Pie cereal. So I'm not not surprised that they're branching out. I'm waiting for the Star Crunch cereal. 
What's Star Crunch? Oh, you is that the Star Crunches? Is is no? It, is 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 it like a rice kind of crunch thingy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Big fan of the old Star Crunch. <laughs> Stephanie, are you a big fan of the old Star Crunch? Never had it. Never had the Star Crunch. Stephanie, are you partaking in Christmas tree cake season? Like or those Christ- little cakes? Yes. I've, you, you are the second person to ask me that. That's bananas. No, but I told somebody that I would try them. Are they good? Oh, they're absolutely delicious. <sighs> yeah. I'm, I'm actually supposed to try them like soon. Are those like no. the little Debbie cakes that are shaped like a Christmas tree? Yeah, exactly. And they got like the cream in the center or something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen them. I haven't tried. I, 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 I don't really eat a lot of that kind of stuff anymore. But uh, yeah, they look tasty. I, I, I've always, I'm always, I've always been an oatmeal cream pie guy. They came out with the oatmeal cream pie ice cream. Is it good? I don't know. I don't eat that shit. That's right. Oh, Jesus. You're right. I forgot. <laughs> the day that I crack open one of those, Stephanie, is just that's that's the day I've given up. <laughs> Speaking of Brian cream. goes from being fit to like a Wally person. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's like once I open that Pandora's box, it's just like that. It's it's me and a like a like a thing at Ben and Jerry's. And I'm just like. I'm on the ground in a diabetic coma. <laughs> like, um, the, I think that the worst thing that I eat these days is they, they've got this, uh, thing called true, uh, true fruit and it's true fruit. It's, uh, dark oh, chocolate. Those are delicious. They're fucking amazing. It's dark chocolate on the outside. On the inside, it's peanut butter. And then on, and then the next on the inside of that is, uh, fucking, it's like a real piece of a banana. It's real banana. Oh, that's and, mm, I've been eating the there's dark chocolate, white chocolate, raspberry ones that are oh. fucking. Oh, I haven't so seen those. I saw the blueberry ones. The blueberry ones mm. I haven't tried, but I I, I I eat the I eat the the banana ones because I I feel like oh it's dark chocolate and peanut butter which isn't terrible and then it's a banana so I mean if I'm gonna splurge that's what I'm fucking eating but man I you know like the. The cakes and the like, you it's a, it's a fucking nightmare going to the store and seeing all this fucking new shit sometimes because I love red velvet, I fucking love red velvet and I saw like red velvet these red velvet cookies with the icing on it and I'm just like fuck I bet that's fucking good, dip, <laughs> you know like dip that shit in milk you know uh, just I bet it's fucking great man but I just can't do it. Hmm. I, I miss fucking – I miss like real ice cream because I, if I do get ice cream, I'm getting like the Halo Top or – you know what I mean? I'm not getting yeah, that. Yeah, I've tried the Halo Top. It's just mm. – It's good It's good when you want something, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, I can but, imagine. I can imagine. Uh, I've been trying to not drink soda as much and like the, the Mountain Dew Zeros, like they're not perfect, but they're, they definitely – Hit that spot, you know? They you don't get completely crazy. You drink that shit long enough, it just tastes like Mountain Dew. Like if yeah, I drink I a diet I Mountain agree. Dew, it's it tastes like Mountain Dew to me. And if I drink a Mountain Dew now, it just tastes like sugar, and I'm just like, "Fuck, this is gross." Yeah, I had a cranberry sprite a couple of days ago, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is the sweetest thing I've ever tasted." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nutty Buddy cereal. Yum. Mm. Anyway, that's all I, I got. Some apple pie toast crunch yesterday. I saw oh. that on the shelves. Yeah, I haven't tried it yet. It's still unopened, but I did buy it. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know what I still have in the fucking cupboard, Jake, is the, uh, the Dr. Dr. Pepper beans. Yeah, I'm never going to open that fucking can. Mm. It's expired, I, too. It expired, I think, like a, like maybe a year ago. I eat a can of those once a month. <laughs> Wait, should we pump the brakes? Dr. Pepper beans? Yeah. Yeah, Dr. Pepper baked beans. Yeah, it's it's uh, baked be- I never tried them. I bought them. And I never even opened it, Stephanie, but it's apparently it's baked beans that taste like Dr. Pepper or something. Huh. Jake, you said once a month you're eating those? Oh, I swear <laughs> by them. They're fucking delicious. I, <laughs> I, I, I eat them all week long. I'd probably be kicked out of the house. <laughs> I eat them yeah, only once a month? Yeah. Yeah, at most twice. Yeah, Jake's got it marked down on the calendar. They're like, this is Dr. <laughs> Dr. Pepper Bean Day. <laughs> yeah, the seventh of every month. <laughs> the seventh of every month. No, how many? No, is it like how many ingredients are in Dr. Pepper? They always like, is it like 23? Uh, like 23, right? Yeah, it should be on the 23rd of every month. Jake is like cracking open a can of That's fucking smart. I Dr. Like <laughs> Dr. Pepper Beans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big bean guy. My favorite food of all time is chili. I like chili, too. I do like chili. I, that's the whole reason I bought a crock pot, make chili. I haven't made chili yeah, in like yeah, I love homemade though. chili. Oh. I do, too. Yeah. What do you do? Use the Brooks? Do you use the Brooks beans? Yeah, I like the Brooks beans. Yeah. I, honestly, I'm not – I. I like trying all the different kinds of beans and chilies and everything. I'm not I'm not a like a slave to any specific chili recipe. I – you know, I love a good chili cook-off. Yeah, I I just make my mom's recipe, typically. Yeah, I would love to try that. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, when you drop that twenty dollars off at my house, I was gonna say if I if I win the bet, you don't even have to give me twenty dollars. I'll take I'll take the mom's chili. I no, and I would make you the best mom's chili that I could possibly make you. I wouldn't be bitter. And fucking make you some fucked up fucking chili. I would make you. I would yeah, use some expired Dr. Yeah. Pepper beans. <laughs> I would go all out for that chili, Jake. Yeah, that, that's what I want if I win. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Jake, <laughs> Jake walks away with some chili. <laughs> all right. No, that's the deal. That's the deal. Yeah, I get 20 bucks, Jake walks away with some chili, some homemade fucking chili. Yeah, that's a good deal. I feel like that's probably more than 20 bucks. Do I include a Ziploc baggie of oyster crackers? No, I can supply my own oyster crackers. That's fine. I appreciate the gesture, but... Which oyster crackers do you prefer? Do you go with, like, a specific name brand? Do you go with the Skyland Chili oyster crackers, or do you go with, like, the Saltine oyster crackers? I prefer the smaller ones, but again, I'm not picky. I, if the big ones are what's there, I'll eat those too. Yeah. I'm Is surprised it, you knew the brands of oyster crackers. It, yeah. I think the best are the, 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 like the premium cracker ones are, are my favorite. I'm surprised you don't know the brands <laughs> of oyster crackers. <laughs> Grab a bag of oyster or whatever of oyster crackers. Oh, uh, not all crazy. oyster crackers are created equal. <laughs> no, Brian's right. Brian's right. 
I mean, They're goes not. to show. Yeah. yeah. The generic ones really are generic. You, you really need to go name brand with your oyster crackers. Put a little wow. pride in your oyster cracker <laughs> selection, Stephanie. Going out there buying oyster crackers all willy-nilly and shit. I, am. <laughs> I know. Look at you living life on the edge. No, put a little pride in your <laughs> oyster Oyster. Is oyster crackers specifically for chili? Do people use oyster crackers for anything else other than chili? Do, do, do people just crack open a bag of oyster crackers and just start shoving those into their mouths by themselves, Jake? Or is oyster crackers always kind of like a topper to something? I think I think you use them for all soups, like tomato soup, chicken noodle soup. I, I feel like people are doing that. It's a great cracker for the following. It's a great cracker. They serve them here like in, in diners a lot when you get soup. But the best way to eat them is you get as many bags as they'll give you of oyster crackers. Don't be obnoxious, but you'll need at least three or four. And then you crumble the bag before you open it. Pour all the bags into the soup so the crackers soak up the soup. So you've got a bowl full of crackers-flavored soup. If that, It's so good. It looks like legit retirement food stuff, but, like, it's so good. If you're... Cracking up your oyster crackers. Does it really matter that you're using oyster crackers at that moment? No, at that point, you can just use saltine crackers. You could just use the saltines. You can, but for, I mean, in my experience, it does matter because the consistency is slightly different. There's a smoothness to an oyster cracker that makes it easier. And it makes Mm, it more. Stephanie's selling me on this. That's a good point. Yeah. When you crumble it up, it's more like, it's not say powdery, but it's. When you crack up like regular saltines, it's like all jaggedy and stuff. When you do oyster crackers, it feels (laughs) more like a smooth consistency. So it soaks up the soup and you're just piling mush in your face. I'm I'm going to take the Stephanie Chapman oyster cracker cracker challenge. (laughs) Sometimes when I eat chili, I buy one of those tiny bags of Fritos and I crush the shit out of that and then dump all the Fritos into my chili. And I, I find that to be fucking delicious, too. That sounds so good. Fritos hit the spot, especially if you haven't had them in a while, and then you grab a bag of Fritos, they always hit the spot. Mm, I agree. Mm. Uh, you guys are going to make me vomit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love Fritos. Yum. Mm. No, I, I, I like Fritos. Fritos are good. The, the Frito scoops, where you get to scoop your dips. Yeah, those are delicious, too. I got a dip, and I got the scoop, and I'm going to scoop the dip. <laughs> It's a, Fritos are another thing where you have you can't go generic Frito. Generic corn chips taste like trash. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes Fritos are just a little too greasy for me, though. I don't. I don't Definitely. like. Yeah, I don't like that greasy. I don't know. The older I get, I don't like greasy shit, like greasy chips, and just they fuck my stomach up. I don't have that iron stomach of a young lad anymore. Used to be able yeah. to eat whatever the fuck, and it never bothered me. I miss my, I miss my fucking seventeen-year-old stomach, Jake. I do miss it. <laughs> I used to love salt and vinegar chips. I used to love them, and I can't. I, oh if I, yeah, if I hate I, those. Yeah, they fuck me up now. Salt. <laughs> Michelle loves those, and even the smell of them makes me go. Oh, I love them. Oh, it's so salt and vinegar chips. Mmm, so good. They fuck me up now. They just destroy my stomach. They they make my stomach turn. Ugh. It's like, yeah, it's it's bliss in the moment. And then I'd say half hour later, it's like I'm fucking where's the Pepsi AC? I need it. <laughs> I am fucked up. You have fucked me up beyond recognition. That is 
all we have this episode. Stephanie, thank you so much. Thank you. This is fun. Yeah, I think you had the most fun at the end when we're talking about food. (laughs) We ought to just do a food cast for you. You can talk. I'm glad I was able to share my um, my method of using oyster crackers. I think the world should know, quite frankly, and so this will thank you for the platform. I agree. Oh, I know. I'm serious. Like, like I will get zero feedback on anything else we fucking talked about this episode. But then I'm gonna get that one tweet from that one guy who's gonna be like, "Yeah, I totally agree with Stephanie and her oyster crackers (laughs) and and the consistency and the smoothness." And it's like, okay, all right, buddy. Yeah, she she sold me on that. I was right there with you, Brian. Where what? Just use whatever cracker at that point. And then after Stephanie's passionate speech about it, I was like, no, it has to be oyster crackers. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a very passionate speech. <laughs> Where was that passion during the DC shit? <laughs> you were busy steamrolling. Yeah, it was stuck under the steamroller. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Oh man! You know, I I I bought some uh, pork uh, pork dumplings, and they have different ways. They have different ways to prepare the pork dumplings, Jake. You know, you can yeah. uh, you can fry, fry them in the, them, in the pan, them. steam them. You can boil them, and I've always fried them before. You know, you just use a little bit of like uh, olive oil. You know, fry them up, and I was like, ah, you know, it takes a little bit longer. So I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna boil them, and uh, not, not as good. You don't like them boiled? Ah, it wasn't as good. It wasn't as good. I, I even bought. I didn't even use the uh, provided dumpling sauce that was in the bag. I bought my own dumpling sauce because I like the, uh, I like the dumpling sauce that I buy. Don't know the name brand right off the top of my head. I apologize. Well, now you're falling short on the name brand. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. But it, it's specifically dumpling sauce, and I was like, I'm going to use this, and it just wasn't as good. It's, it's just. I think it's better to fry them up. I think. It it just tastes better. Hmm. Surprised to hear you say that. Why? Why would you? Why? Why? Why the surprise? I just. I. I don't know. I. I just think of you as being a bit more anti frying. Yeah. 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 I'm. I, I. I. I'm. I don't eat like a lot of fried foods. Uh. And actually, I don't eat any really. But yeah, as far as I think dumplings are concerned. Put them on the put them on the stovetop. Fry them up a little bit. Taste a little bit yeah, better. Maybe the air fryer. Yeah, maybe I could air fry the old dumplings. <laughs> something the best to, of both worlds. Something to think about. <laughs> this episode's so fucking dumb. Boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Close the curtain on this thing. It's time to end this fucker. Next week we'll be talking about Avatar, The Way of Water, and might have a bonus episode if any big news comes out. But other than that, I just look forward to an Avatar episode. But um, Stephanie, thank you for joining us. Where can people oh, find you? You can find me on the Cinecast and PopCultureLeftovers.com. This was so much fun. Jake? Stephanie had fun. When I'm not, that's, that's all that that's all that matters. We were miserable, but Stephanie had a great time. Yeah, yeah. This this episode put me through a fucking literal hell. But as long as you had a good time, and I wasn't steamrolling you, right? Um, 
All right. And uh, until next week, we're putting a lid on it. See ya. Laters. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover counterculture pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushover, pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushovers. Pop culture leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.